Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me. All right, today I've got a treat. Now, if you um, if you follow Mark Harrison and um, his wife Allison on Instagram, on YouTube, then you know that you're in for a treat with this with this uh, interview. They are the owners of Omnivores, Quivers, and Homestead, and uh, they do everything from from hunting. Uh, you know, cooking, you know, gardening, that, that kind of stuff. It's mostly a hunting channel. Uh, they also own a, uh, you know, the, the business omnivoresquivers.com and everything's in there. They've got uh, uh, bow quivers, you know, hip, um, you know, off the bow quivers, on the bow quivers, tabs. Um, he just, he just uh, recently came out with a string tracker. He's got a lot of products. They, they got deer calls on there. They got lots and lots of products. I mean, he is like, swamped it's a good thing that his business has taken off like tremendously in the last like like couple of years and especially very recently um so so good on them but you know he's a very very busy guy and still putting out really really cool content uh mostly on uh, on youtube so definitely go watch those videos now mark and i have a conversation we have we, we talked for god we talked for probably about 20 minutes before we started recording we talked for i think almost two hours is what it ends up being and uh, he and I actually talked for like another 45 minutes, almost an hour after we stopped recording. Um, we go all over the place on this one. And that's kind of the way uh, I wanted it because he is so passionate about a lot of the stuff uh, that he does and the way he does things and his business and his leather craft and hunting and family and a whole host of other things that we don't even dive into in this podcast because it's a little bit out of the realm of what we normally talk about in this podcast. But man, man he is, uh, he is, he's one cool dude and um, he is, uh, is definitely, definitely a good, good interview. So like I said, we jump, we jump around all over the place on this one. So, you know, bear with us. And I know you're going to like this. Uh, I know you're going to like this podcast. So like I said, if you know Mark at all, you know what you're in for. So anyway, um, make sure you, if you like this podcast that you um, like, share and subscribe and definitely leave a rating. Really important. Scroll down, uh, click on the, you know, whatever, you know, pod uh, catcher or pod streaming device or, or app or whatever that you use. There's, there's got to be a section in there for leaving a rating. That is absolutely huge for, uh, for, for getting on uh, on the good side of the algorithm. So um, please, please, please do that. If you don't do anything else, please leave a rating. Greatly appreciate it. And um, just like everything else, make sure you check out the uh, Bowhunting Soul YouTube channel. Uh, lots of videos, tons of videos up there and lots, you know, being put out, you know, uh, you know, once every week, once every couple of weeks, something like that, depending on, you know, what I've, what I've uh, recorded and, um, make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Instagram, you know, I'll post stuff on there, you know, relatively, uh, frequently and, uh, also definitely check out, uh, Mark's, uh, Mark's website. It's, uh, omnivores, homes, uh, omnivoresquivers.com. So anyway. With that being said, here is my interview with Mark Harrison of Omnivores, Quivers, and Homestead. Where, I don't sure. know. There we go. There. Can you can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It, it for some reason it, it takes a while. No matter no matter who I talk to, or where I try to talk to them, we go through the same rigmarole of trying to hook up on. On, on well, that sounded bad. Hook up on the internet, but um, yeah. So 
we got we got Mark Harrison on on, on the line from our, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna yeah it's tough it's tough to say how do you say it you're all gonna the time? murder it aren't you come on Omnivores Quivers and Homestead close it's Omnivores Homestead and Quivers but uh, oh. you know you said it right at least <laughs> dude nobody ever wrong. gets it right. I'm three for so, three wrong on getting people's like that's not your name, but I'm getting like their their names or last names or whatever wrong the last three guests. So eh, you know I figure I'm on a streak. Nobody has ever got our name right. I, so let me give you a little history on what this was. We used to do all kinds of stuff years ago with a couple other pages and everything, and just I got fed up with it and said I was never going to do it again. Long story short, we started a page which is omnivores and. The thing is, is why omnivore? Everybody's like, you know, why omnivore? I'm like, well, I like onions. I like potatoes. I like tomatoes. I like all the stuff. I'm not just carnivore. So omnivore made sense. The problem is, is if you want to be successful in business, never name your company something that nobody can say. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's horrible, dude. It just gets butchered all the time. You know how many people are like, I'm got that damn dare omnibiverse guys, the quiver people. Well, I'll tell you. Well, those people can't spell, or, or you know, they probably didn't complete third grade English or anything. So, you know, it it is a strange name, though. I mean, how many people do you know actually truly know what an omnivore is? Ah, uh, I don't know. I, I I know plenty, but I can see where you're coming from. You know, I, I can I can see that. I I like it. I think it's very clever because it's not just the. Uh, um, I mean, you guys. I'm 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 gonna have you talk about everything that you do. But I mean, you cater to a lot of the bow hunting crowd, outdoor crowd. But it's not just your guys's brand and your 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 YouTube and all that stuff isn't just, you know, killing uh you know hogs and stuff. It's it's everything, right? And and you know, farm to yeah, table, I mean, gardening, exactly- and, and homes. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly why we did it, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I thought about how many other companies that we worked with, you know, back when we were TV and everything. Like, all of a sudden, off-season came, and they're like, wow, we have nothing to talk about and nothing to do. And it's like, you know, by, by being Omnivore's Homestead, literally, like, I could take a picture of my shoes today, and it still is relative. I can, you know, kill a snake, <laughs> you know, skin it out, do this and that. It's relative. I can go hunting. I can play in the garden. I could just... It's everything. That's that's why it just yeah. worked out so well. Well, the homestead part, the omnivores part, was just yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I, that was like the worst idea using omnivores, though. Like even the email, like people are like, "Could you spell that for me?" And I spell it for them. They're like, "Can you spell it for me nine more times?" I'm like, "Oh boy." <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I think subconsciously you did it so that then you can lure these people in who watch your videos and then see how much of an evil, evil bunny killer that you are, and they can give you shit on YouTube comments. I think you did it on purpose. Dude, that YouTube is hilarious. It's you know, so we're still fucking toxic. Uh, you know what? I, I hear Rogan say it all the time. Like, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Like, our YouTube is new, and the problem with not reading the comments is, is you know, we get a lot of serious questions on there. People legitimately looking for information. Yeah. But you got to filter through the nonsense. But if you read enough nonsense, like it's hard to ignore it. So I just I love saying stupid things. I really do. I mean, like I've kept it PG thirteen most of the time. I'll slip yeah. up a little bit here and there, but I just I don't understand what the hell their algorithm is thinking, showing some of these people this like. I don't think they're legitimately searching out how to butcher a bunny just to drive me nuts and say they have pet bunnies. I think that the key words in that video, the butchering video, is like the people that are seeing it are like watching 
their bunny foo-foo videos, and all of a sudden it comes up as a recommended video, and it's like, that's the only thing I can think of, is it's got to be the algorithm just doing something weird. Uh, maybe, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, all jokes aside, I think part of that is you you have, okay, maybe not, someone's not searching for omnivore, but the homestead part, you know, um, that's that's really big, and you can be, an, you know, a total, you know, PETA animal lover and do the homesteading thing, and you can be a total hunter and do the homesteading thing. So I think that might actually get See, people, too, over there. So I don't know. That's what I thought. I, I really thought that, but I've noticed that homesteaders aren't really crazy. Like, I've, I mean, they're crazy in their own way. Like, my wife is a nut job. But <laughs> I, I don't think that there's PETA animal lovers that are homesteading because – you, you can't have, like, permaculture. A lot of these idiots were running around for a while going, permaculture, permaculture. You can't have permaculture without animals. Like, all the stuff that we grow in this property, the only way to grow it is with fertilizer. That's it. So right. where are you going to get your yeah. fertilizer from? You're going to get it from rabbits. I mean, rabbits is the easiest for me. But, you know, cow manure is just not feasible for us. Or mm-hmm. fish. I mean, we shoot a ton of fish every week. And they all get buried and put into our garden. But, yeah. like, you got to have that. So, like, I've noticed, like, there really aren't antis. Anybody that's successful in doing what we're doing gardening-wise, they know that you need to have animals. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. true permaculture is. Yeah. Did I lose you? A little bit. Yeah, oh, it went a little we fuzzy for a second. Yeah, I, I lost you where, where you said that's what true permaculture is. But yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know what people think sometimes, but it's like, you're right. I think it's it's tough to be a homesteader when you're still living in mom's basement, you know, and going to rallies. So, you know, you got to take that for what it's worth. It's fun, though. You know, people think that we were doing it like it's funny, like when we meet people like randomly in like the permaculture crowd, they're like, oh, my God. You love nature so much. Uh, no, I'm just cheap and I don't want to buy anything and the stuff at the grocery store tastes like crap. And you say that to them, they look at you like, huh? Like, you mean yeah. to tell me you're not a new age hippie? I'm like, no, this is just easier. Like, you know, Allison pointed out the funniest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, we went to this, like, five-star fancy restaurant. And honestly, the food was just eh. And she says to me, she goes, it's because you're a food snob. And like I always said, I'm a food snob, but didn't really realize it the way that she sees it. That literally, like, we're eating rabbit for dinner. We live on tenderloin. We live on, you know, clean, clean meat and everything. Like, yeah. for me to go at an Outback Steakhouse, like, I'm just not enjoying it. I think it's crap. But even this hoity-toity place, like, did filet mignon. They're like, filet mignon for $49. I'm like, mm-hmm. Are you can't need a whole crown roast by myself you're killing me i can't spend that kind of money on that nastiness yeah 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 i i i i completely understand and it's there's the people that say they're all you know nature nature but it's that's different from doing what you do versus just i shop at whole foods you know what i mean i hate whole foods Dude, it always smells like stank fish and like icky cheese. Like, I swear to God, they've got like a I've Yankee candle. That's like, oh, you never been? Oh, it's Mm-mm. it's lame, dude. It's so lame in there. Like, I'm not gonna lie though. Like, the whole organic movement, like the stuff does taste better. Like, I love hoity-toity food and stuff. And like, you can't get hoity-toity food at Walmart. You know, so Whole Foods, yeah, you would have to bite the bullet, but like, it's expensive. 
like really expensive. That and Trader Joe's. I don't like Trader Joe's either. Yeah, we, yeah, they got a couple things, but I think that whole Trader Joe thing is kind of overblown. See, where we move now, like, it's completely different. Like, uh, because we're literally living in the woods now, like, if I'm hungry, I, I, I'm not even joking. If I had, like, a big wire, I could take you on the computer right now, walk out in the woods and shoot a pig right now, guaranteed. So, like, all of our meat nice. is coming from the yard. All of our fish are coming from, you know, us just messing around. But then, like, there's still grocery stores. But the truth is, like, what the hell do I really need at the grocery store? I'm getting some toilet paper. I'm getting some real basics and stuff like that. You know, aluminum foil. But uh, other than that, vegetable-wise, Allison does all of our groceries at a farmer's market. Um, mm -hmm. Not even a farmer's market, a, a fruit stand, a vegetable stand that's not yeah. far from us. I mean, she'll go and blow, like, $100 mm -hmm. a week on vegetables, but... Other than that, all of the meat is coming from here, every bit of it. And some vegetables, but we kind of got in late this year, so we did okay, but not as good as we should have. Yeah. So so tell me about the the homestead. Tell me about your property down there. I know you guys um, kind of moved down from up north, I believe it was. You kind of, you know, you, you kind of sold what you had, and you had some... Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm getting all this completely wrong, but you were you were doing some real estate and then you're like, I, I said, you know, you're like, screw this. We're going to sell all this. We're going to go down and with the money we have um, kind of cash out our lives and then just kind of live more simply. So am I am I on the right track with with your history there? Kind of. Yes. And kind of. No, we actually were further south. Um, oh. Alice and I had packed up. Yeah, we, we were down in the tropics for the past 10 years. And uh, oh. yeah, so uh it's different, you know, obviously I, for you guys that don't know, we're in Florida and, you know, we were down in Punta Gorda, um, which is Southwest Florida, um, right on the Gulf of Mexico. I'd say about two thirds of the way down, actually, uh, three quarters of the way down at the bottom. And, um, it was nice. It was different. You know, gardening was tough down there being in the tropics, everything that we're used to being northerners. Cause we are true northerners. I'm from the Northeast. Allison's from Pennsylvania originally. So down south, you're growing all winter instead of trying to grow through the summer and spring, and most of the stuff doesn't do well. So you really got to go tropics. You know, we're going, you know, we grew bananas. We mastered it. We had bananas, pomegranate, mango, any sort of normal annual vegetables were all Vietnamese brands and stuff like that. Um, you know, like bok choy and stuff like that. Stuff like that would grow well, but we got tired of it. Not so much the tropics. We got tired of the atmosphere and the people down there. You know, we were in retirement central. And oh, yeah. uh, it's in, we were the youngest people there. Like, when you go into the grocery store, and like, I love my grandparents. I love old people and everything. But when there's nobody your age and there's no children around for your daughter to play with, it was just – it was too much. We couldn't do it anymore. And – Long story short, we ended up going for uh, going for a ride to Silver Springs to the traditional bow hunters of Florida, uh, TBOF, um, their big uh, annual thing up there, and it was awesome. It was like thousands of people that shoot trad bow. It's like ETAR but for Florida, and okay. uh, all of these people were just awesome. There were kids everywhere. The water was clean. You know, everybody was friendly. I looked at Allison and said, "We're living in the wrong area." And we got home and literally sold everything that we owned as fast as we could and randomly bought a house in the middle of the woods, pretty much sight unseen, 
and just moved right in there. Nice. So, so where where are you exactly? Where are you located? Okay. Like in, oh yeah. In, so in yeah. So yeah. Northern. We're, so we're technically almost central Florida, but still on the coast. Um, Crystal River, uh, Ocala. We're, we're towards the Gulf of Mexico from Ocala. Um, okay. It's called, All right. Yep. I, I tell you the town. The town is Inglis, and everybody's like, "What? Where the hell is that?" Exactly. Like, there's like a couple hundred people that live here. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know, I know that I've passed the area a bunch of times, like driving, <clears throat> driving down and back and stuff. Yeah, I, I know the the general locale that you're talking about. So it's, it's um, awful. We live inside a wildlife management area that uh, so like it's it's a pay per play. This wildlife management area. It's not like you just go in and you buy the permit cheap and that's it and you're done. This is it's twenty four. I want to say am I going to say this right? Twenty four thousand acres. I think I'm saying this right. Yeah. And, uh, but the permit is expensive as hell. It's the permit's like 400 bucks and they only give out a couple of them every year. But, uh, we got the permit. And so I literally walk out my backyard instead of just hunting in my backyard. Now I've got 24,000 acres surrounding me that I can hunt into. Mm. And dude, it's loaded, loaded with pigs and deer. It's amazing here. Really? Yeah, I mean, I see you shoot like a crap ton of of pigs, and I and I've 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 watched all your stuff with with deer hunting too. So I was going to ask, I mean, is it uh, well, h- how is that area compared to like let's say I know like the keys are like you know deer are, like kind of size of dogs or whatever, but um, how is it compared to the rest of Florida, like North Florida? I mean, is is there just more concentration of deer there for some reason, or because everyone says it's they're they're um, really they either don't spot them because they don't you know, it's hot, it's humid, it's everything can kill you when you're walking around. People, so maybe people just don't go as deep, you know, but I mean, what, what is like the deer density of Florida? Cause you can hear anything from, eh, there's nothing really down here to dude there. They are everywhere. It's just, you just got to get to where they are without dying. Okay. Um, population wise, it depends on the area. The issue that they're having down here is what they call the Florida Panther, which isn't a Panther. It's actually a mountain lion that they imported and have dropped these darn things off throughout the state trying to say that it's like a protected species when it's not. That, that species mm-hmm. long gone. Yeah. So when you get to certain areas, those panther, or let's just call them mountain lions so we could offend the tree huggers, these mountain lions are wiping out the populations in some areas. But in other areas, we're doing great. Like, uh, for example... The, the pigs that you were seeing, a lot of my old, almost all of my videos were still down south, um, with the exception of, say, like four new videos that we've done up here. Mm-hmm. We had a ton and ton of pigs down there at the one property, but zero deer. I have There's zero, zero deer in Punta Gorda where I lived. But then all of a sudden, we went inland 20 minutes, half an hour, if that, to my deer property. Ready for this? Not a single pig on that property in all the years I hunted it. But if I sit in the tree stand, I'll see probably 30 deer in one sit. So it just, it's just—it's really, really weird. It's all pockets. Oh yeah, tons. Of, but here's huh. the catch. Here's the, here's the big catch. Tons of does. I've got tons and tons and tons of does. But bucks. The old property was amazing. We had we had a. So. Well, let's get rid of the one, the elephant in the room. Everybody thinks that all the deer are tiny here in Florida. That's not true. They're not key deer. That's not the only thing that's here. There's actually monster, monster bucks. 
monsters. I mean, stuff that makes things in Indiana look like tiny. Yeah. But here's the reason why. We had high fence operations that blew down during a hurricane, and all that genetics got loose. I've heard So we got that. awesome genetics. Oh, dude, it's amazing. Like, my, my, my Arcadia property, I used to hunt down there, like, there's elk. There's, like, you'll be sitting there, and you'll hear an elk bugle. And uh, I've it's hunted free down in Arcadia before. Yeah, that's that's my deer property. All those deer that you see on our YouTube. Yeah, that's that's all Arcadia. Huh. And there's there's tiny deer down there, and then there's monsters. The issue that we have is our rut is so screwed up down there. Um, for example, yeah. like deer season is about to open down there. Deer season opens August second this year. I'm sorry, right. August first. And the reason why is because the rut is actually going on right now. So if you're lucky, you might catch the end of the rut down there. But then, say, Arcadia. One side of my property, some of the deer are rutting in July. The other side of the property, some are rutting in November. It's just, it's so crazy. It's hard, and a lot of stuff is nocturnal. But keep this in mind, too. Alice and I shoot trad bows. You know, we had this argument with a guy yesterday. Like, uh, do you see that buck that I posted on our Instagram or Facebook or anything? Nothing exciting, um, just... No, which one? Uh, it was just, just a picture I posted. I think it was yesterday or the day before. It was like a little six-point buck in full velvet. And I'm ecstatic. I'm totally pumped over that thing. You know, I got it on, on camera up here, you know, right in our right on our property. And a bunch of people were like, that's why Florida don't got big deer. Well, Florida got big deer. I'm shooting a trad bow. You know, if I if I had a rifle in oh, hand. they're just. Yeah, you know, if I had a rifle in hand, nah, I probably wouldn't shoot that deer. You know, I'd wait for something bigger because a rifle's like fish in a barrel. But, uh, right. you know, because we hunt trad and we eat it, I'm shooting the first damn thing that's legal that walks in front of me. It's just how I'm going to be, and that's it. Like Arcadia, our old property, Yeah. if Allison and I picked mm -hmm. up a rifle, we'd be on the cover of Field and Stream right now. There were some deer down there that literally would have made the cover. Really? Oh, dude, it's just absolutely crazy. That, uh, But, you know, we just – I can't get into the rifle. We did a rifle hunt with Lillian last year, and I don't know. It just – it felt dirty. I really felt completely dirty. It just didn't feel right. You know, after you pick up a trad bow for so long, it's just – I don't know. There was no joy in the rifle. Yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of got to that point too. Um, like I, I, I live in Minnesota, right? But um, <clears throat> I go to Florida because of my job, like, well, several times a year. But I end up, like, I've, I've been going to, like, a pay-to-play pay -pay place um, kind of near, um, like, Deland. Is it Deland or Ocala? I can't remember. It's near Daytona. It's, like, an, it's like 30 minutes from Daytona. Yeah. Um, you know, so hogs, whatever, over a feeder. You know, <laughs> they're not fenced in, but they might as well be because they're habituated. They hang around even before the feeder's yeah. going off, you know, kind of thing. And I've shot, I don't know, close to close to a dozen, maybe not quite a dozen um, uh, hogs, you know. And they've all been with rifle. But then yeah. I got to the point where it's like, and I like, I love bringing the meat home, putting them in the cooler. I mean, I love doing all that stuff. But, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I am I really want to do it with my bow. So last year I took, I took you know, both my... Um, my trad bow and my compound down there. I wounded one with my Kodiak Magnum, um, just completely stupid, stupid shot. I mean, it just completely just uh, fell apart, not from like buck fever, but from just, just got sloppy and never found this thing. And I ended up, you know, I put that down. I was just kicking myself, just brooding, just pissed off, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm here. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to shoot another one with, with my compound. At least I'm going to come out here or something, you know, and I did, but, um, I, I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole, but I don't have any desire to shoot pigs anymore with my rifle. You know what I mean? So, so I get it. Yeah. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, with up here with, with deer, I, you know, I'm 99% all about like bow hunting. And, but I still will pick up like the rifle once, you know, once a year to go up to my buddy's property and, uh, you know, for one day, maybe two out of the entire, you know, like rifle season here, I might carry a rifle or the muzzle loader season. That's usually if I don't, haven't like shot anything by then. It's just, it's just a different kind of change of pace, but yeah. I, I, I totally get like you, I don't know that if to me, it doesn't feel like dirty, but it just feels like, okay, um, it's, you know, the term cheater stick, you know, for certain things. It's like, man, this is really feeling like a cheater stick. And I, I just don't get the same satisfaction out of, out of, you know, putting something down with, you know, at 20 yards looking through a scope, you know. Well, that's the funny thing you say that because, like, you know, I picked up the rifle and, like, here I am. Like, I've got a 30-06 scope that should be able to shoot 100, 200 yards. And you know what I'm doing? I'm shooting deer at 20 yards. I'm like, why uh-huh. do I not have my bow? And, like, this is just dumb. Yeah. I do have to admit, yeah. though, that the, the other day when I picked up a muzzle loader, that uh, the percussion cap one, um, side lock, I have not mm-hmm. killed an animal, and I don't even know how long since I picked up a you know an old school muzzle loader like that. I had a blast. It was I don't know. There was something about that silly thing that it didn't feel like the rifle. It felt like like a trad bow with training wheels is kind of like how it felt, but it was still exciting. It's the trad and, uh, bow of rifles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Oh dude, me and my daughter, like that's the thing, like Lillian in that hunt, she, uh, she was rough. She, she had a great time, but she, when she didn't understand, once she saw the pigs, she expected me to just shoot one. And she kept saying, you know, are you going to shoot one? Are you going to shoot one? Like if I had a trad bow in my hand, it would have been over. So being able to involve her with it and still have some fun, like, I don't know that that muzzle. You know what I think it is about the muzzle loader. I've had so many hang fires playing with that darn thing. When I pulled the trigger, I wasn't sure if it was actually even going to go off. So, <laughs> so I, yeah. I guess the fact that it went off is what got me so excited. But uh, yeah, I, we, watched, we I will, watched the video. It was a good video. It was hilarious, dude. That that wasn't even planned. No nothing. Like literally, like we made the post. Like people, we asked people, like, do you want to see a a muzzle loader film? Or do you want to see another longbow film? And I, I don't understand. So many people said muzzleloader. I'm like, wow, I was not expecting this. So it just it was too easy to go out with just a muzzleloader. So I said, screw it. Let me grab Lillian and I'll bring her out and try to make something fun out of it. And we weren't in the blind for 20 minutes and they just came walking right out like that. And we got lucky. Maybe it's the uh, maybe maybe it's the Mike Mathewitz, uh, um influence, you know. <laughs> Cause, cause See, he's pretty- a bad in- He's a really. You're like, not gonna get a falcon, are you? Or a hawk no, or hell no. I ain't getting no goats, no nothing. <laughs> but I got a bone to pick with Mike. All them goats that he's collecting and everything, like that's dangerous, man. You need to eat them things. You raise them, you eat them. You, they're not pets. <laughs> but now, he's yeah. dangerous to talk to because this whole muzzleloader thing. Because he got me interested in the muzzleloader again. And yeah. the worst thing is, is after that film the other day, it brought back some excitement. So uh, I was thinking about doing a gun build, you know, not like an AR-15 with a Magpul stock. I'm talking like an old school Flinter mm-hmm. or something. So he started sending me links, and 
I, I find myself looking at a gun that you have to put together yourself, blue yourself, drill it, you know, saw it, shape it, everything, and it's only like a thousand dollars for it. I'm like, what Jeez. the hell am I doing, dude? This is crazy. But yeah, he's dangerous. He's got too many hobbies, <laughs> and he's trying to convince me to do them too. And uh, uh-uh. yeah, I, I haven't gone down the the old school muzzle loader route yet. I mean, I, I have a modern inline, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to someday get it, but I've just got too many hobbies right now. And I'm, I'm just like too into, into trad bows and, 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 you know, hunting and stuff that I just, uh, you know, I don't have time to mess around. I don't think I've picked up a rifle in like two years to even like, like go to the range and shoot at this point, you know? We just got to get rid of that compound thing that you're shooting. Cause that's no yeah. fun. Yeah. You know why I keep it? <laughs> Here's the deal. I know. Here's the deal. So this, this and people are probably sick of me talking about this thing right it, it's a 2011 elite pure right so it's it's no speed demon it's no you know crazy bow or anything like that at least it's but elite, though. at least what at least it's an elite is it split uh split limb or single limb oh no single limb nice and you know nice See? and you know cam lean and twisty and uh you know that's <laughs> riser flexing that bow <laughs> That's why you're still shooting the bow, because it's not split limb. Like, I, people ask, why? how are you shooting the trad bow? Why are you shooting that? What made you switch? Um, when they switched everything to split limb technology is when I got tired of bows blowing up and falling apart and all that other stuff, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. That uh, single limb, okay. Like, I can understand you still shooting it a little bit, because you you've not joined the new technology that really sucks. No, absolutely not. So, um, so here's the deal. So when I had that, I've had that thing for a while and, uh, I wanted to, before I even got into traditional, I wanted to kind of do like a custom build. I hated the freaking, I don't like camo. I, I hated the freaking camo on it, like some real tree, whatever. Um, and I always wanted to do like this, like, um, like snow camo, you know, whatever. So I took it all That's apart. What I used to do. Yeah. So I took it all apart. I had the thing hydro dipped. Um, the thing looks really sweet. I'll, it actually came out more black with white than white with black. And it just looks really, really cool. Right. So I love the, uh, the, the design on it. And, you know, I, I got, you know, different limbs for it. I got the right, you know, uh, draw cams for it. And I put the thing together and, you know, I, I quote unquote built the thing, right. I, I assembled, I do, I do all that. So, um, I kind of have an attachment to this like Franken build that I did with this bow. So, uh, and, and it, just, it just shoots so well for me and it's whatever, but here's the thing. I'll pick it up and I will shoot it maybe like a quiver full once every, I don't know, six, seven months, eight months, maybe. And then at the end of like that fourth or fifth arrow, I'm like, eh, I'm done, you know, but I can't bring myself yeah. to sell it. I, I just can't bring myself to sell it. I don't know why it just hangs there. Maybe I like looking at it more than anything, you know? But um, speaking speaking of the technology thing too, just a little another little little rabbit trail here. I was I still had had this bow again. It's kind of before I got into traditional, and I had stopped by some dealer somewhere, whatever, in my travels across the country. And then they had uh, when Elite had their quote unquote speed bow, which is kind of like a normal speed bow for for most companies, but this was the speed bow for Elite. Um, it was Impulse like 31 or 34 or something like that. And I was just looking at it, and the guy behind the counter was like, "Hey, do you want to shoot it?" And I said, eh, I have no intention of buying. You know, I'm just kind of traveling through. He's like, yeah, go ahead, just shoot it. It's my personal bow. I said, okay. So I drew the thing back, you know, shot. 
And, and at first I was like, you do the, you do the typical, like, oh man, I guess I found my next bow, ha ha ha, you know, kind of thing. But something just like, didn't like sit right with me. And then I thought about it and I thought about it and I'm like, okay, if I hadn't actually seen that arrow streak down range, I would have no idea that I had any interaction with this machine. You know, like I would not know that I actually shot this bow because it was just so dead in the hand, so fast, no feedback, no feel. And I said, ah, you know, I'm think I'm about maxed out with, with, technology with with where i'm at as far as these machines go do you know what i mean yeah i like the lee you know it, it's been i don't even know how many years since we even touched a compound that uh they, mm-hmm. they were a great company it's just you know when, like i said when technology changed though and i don't mean change for the better like i had too many bows start to have problems you know, you know here's the thing like all right so my buddy jeremy from uh he's a hog hunter down here he, I don't mean to talk smack about him, he was shooting compound, and he sucks. And the issue is, is he doesn't suck at compound. I mean, he doesn't suck at hunting, doesn't suck at shooting. It's just his bow was a piece of crap that he would hit one day, he would hit over here, and then we'd recite it, retune it. And, the, you know, the issue is with a compound, like, when you miss, did you miss, or was your bow not set up properly? Was it not tuned? Yeah. Versus a trap. So, yeah. like, he switched over to Chad. And, like, if he misses, it's because he did something wrong. Not because of his bow. Not because the cam lean. Not because the rest got bumped. Or the sight got bumped. Like, yeah. the simplicity of it, believe it or not, I believe a Trad bow. Uh, I, I not even believe. I know a Trad bow, for me, is more accurate than a gun. At certain distances, obviously. Like, uh, I was shooting that muzzle loader the other day at just, like, 30 yards. 25, 30 yards, and... You know, I was pretty happy. I was grouping like six inches with it. And then I realized, I'm like, dude, I could group better with my longbow than I can with this rifle. Uh-huh. You know, it's just the simplicity that it's always going to be the same. Like, poor Jeremy, like, he'd get out in the woods, dude, and he would just gut shot the hell out of a pig. And it wasn't him. It's his sight was bumped or his strings moved or... I just, I couldn't deal with knowing that when I go when I go to release an arrow with a with a compound, like, is my stuff off or was it me that was off? I, mm-hmm. I was tired of that. It was like a never ending battle trying to keep those things going. So how so how long ago did you take up traditional and be like, or at least at least start get a, like a spark in that? I mean, was it like a clean break or how did that happen? Uh, well, I I'd been I picked it up years and years and years ago. But was never really serious about it. I was chasing technology when I was younger. You know, the fastest compound, the lightest arrow, all that stuff. It was about, uh, I think, like five, six years ago that I literally hung up everything else for good. Somewhere around there. I could be wrong. That uh, it just, it just, it happened literally like overnight. I was just so tired of this one bow that I was shooting being a piece of crap. And I was just over it. I'm just, I was sick of it. I I didn't trust it. I didn't want to hunt with it. So I picked up a trad bow, and I knew I can kill stuff with it. Everybody else thought I couldn't, and yeah. And I just, I never went back. What was, you what know, was that just, first bow, your first trad bow? For a very first or first one serious? Um, very first. Very first was a, a Pearson. It was uh, 45 pounds at 28 inches. Uh, an old i'm talking like 60s pearson i don't even know what it was and uh i love that bow i could hit anything with it 
And uh, to this day, if I could find a way to get that bow back, I would. My ex actually took off with it. <laughs> but uh, that was my very first trad bow, and it was amazing. My very first serious trad bow, uh, I guess you could say, I mean, very serious, was uh, ILF rig. It was a Tribe Archery's X3. And that was the one that really put fire underneath my butt that I hung up everything after shooting that bow. Hmm. And then now, uh, I, I'm sure you know, I'm full-on Centaur these days. Um, I'm playing with yeah. a couple other bows. I, I love my Centaur. It's definitely my favorite. But I feel like uh, I'm trying out some other stuff just to play with, just out of curiosity. You know, um, like right now I'm shooting, just playing with a friend of mine, Woodraven, um, James Slife. They built me a bow to play with in. The damn thing's a Ferrari. It's It's really, really cool. And then I'm shooting an ILF rig right now from Life Cycle Gear. That okay. uh, a really really cool bow. Like you know the the versatility of an ILF. What it is is I'm enjoying um, 3D shoots so much. It gets a little tiring um, shooting a hunting rig all the time. So I ended up getting a Life Cycle bow, and you know it's nice to be able to jump down to the lower poundage for when I'm shooting 3D, and I can go through and. You know, not burn myself out pulling 50 pounds constantly all day by going to a lightweight bow. Right, right. So, um, but, <clears throat> yeah, so so your main deal right now is a Centaur, you said, right? And you've had that for quite a while. Yeah. So what, what's, that's what's still kind of my crown de la crème. That, uh, that bow, the, the, one, the one I shoot the most, um, my Centaur that I shoot the most is a uh, triple carbon elite, two-piece takedown, um... Let me see. Buckeye Burl, Crimson Scales, uh, I'm sorry, Crimson Accents, and then what the hell is the other thing? Sheephorn, um, Limb Tips, and then uh, I think I said the Eastern Mud Snake um, covers for the for the snake skin. But that bow is, <laughs> it's hard for me to pick up anything else because that damn bow just knows where that arrow is going to go every single time. Um, Weight-wise, she's actually pretty light. I surprised people that that bow is only 47 pounds at 27 inches, which is my true draw length. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it does what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never shot a centaur, but I always hear how fast they are, <clears throat> you know, especially with, with, with the, it's, are the, so are they carbon limbs or are they carbon laminate limbs? Um, mine is, uh, it's it's the carbon weave. Um, okay. I've got three layers of carbon weave in it. He does all different kinds, but I like the triple carbon. Um, that's that's the the carbon weave. You know, the one thing everybody always talks about how fast they are. I think that the most important thing that people got to realize is how accurate they are. Um, speed really doesn't do it for me, but the accuracy on that damn bow is just insane. Like I shoot 50 yards at home and I do it just fine, and I can put it in there in a paper plate. But uh, the only yeah, thing well. that I'd like to warn everybody about that uh, Centaur is a very, very light bow. So if you're looking for something heavy in hand, this is not the bow for you. And I always try to warn people because some people, like, they go out and get one and they're like, oh, I can't shoot it well. Well, the bow's too light for you. Uh, yeah. My bow weighs half a pound, if that. So it's strictly a hunting rig. Oh, you know, for 3D, I could shoot it like a champion for 3D, but I'm just, I prefer a light bow. But that thing is made to be carried out in the woods for a hundred miles straight, and 
you'll have no arm fatigue dragging that thing around behind you. Yeah. Yeah, I just recently sold off a, um, a Tolki uh, Pika. Um, <clears throat> again, it's, you know, Featherlight. It was like 56-inch um, Featherlight bow. Incredible. It's just I didn't, I didn't gel with it, you know, and I think you just have to gel. Like, everything has to be right. For me, number one is the grip, but just I, I don't know the overall there's some there's there's something about the overall package that that's supposed to gel with you you know so i keep trying different bows and i'll sell them off and i'll try different bows and i'll sell them off and right now you know i have one 59 kodiak that i'm just shooting amazing and i got another 59 kodiak that was heavier poundage but uh, i don't know whether it's it's the tolerances of of when of when they were built like one's a 2018 model, one's a one was a 2014 or whatever. But but the, the the heavier poundage one, it wasn't the poundage that was that was weird. It was just the grip, and the tunability of it yeah. was nowhere near the the one that I've been shooting for the past few years. And so I just ended up selling it. I mean, it, it was I thought, oh, I'll just get a heavier version of what I have. And again, so it was. Do you still prefer a Kodiak over a Tolki for real? Yeah, you know. Um, Nothing right. against Tolkien to, to, bows. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing yeah. against Tolkien bows. I, I, had... I know what it is. Go ahead. I, I just I know what it is. That that damn Kodiak is heavier. Number one. I mean, it's all right. So the Tolkien was it a smaller grip, much smaller grip than your Kodiak. No, it's about the same. They're both pretty. They're both pretty oh, really? slender. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you this: the grip on the Tolkien is probably about absolutely perfect for what I want in a grip that I found in any any stock bow, okay? Uh, most bows, I end up having yeah. to, um, you know, you, I'm, I'm sure you follow the push guys, you know, so I always end up like zernzacking my grip, you know, taking a rasp or sander to it, um, no matter what. I didn't have to touch the Tolki, um, the, the Pika. It absolutely fit perfectly. What I didn't like is I'm just not used to shooting something that's a not off of like a bare weather rest, like an elevated rest. Um, you really can't put uh, one on, on a pika. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that you were shooting an elevated rest. That's that's a world of difference. World of difference in tunability for me. So I try to put them on any bow that I can, and it didn't really fit very well on the pika. Just because the sight window so so small, and yeah, you know the you know the by the time you put a rest on and it kind of goes up the sight window a little bit because because you have to it, it's raised a little bit, um, it ends up pointing your arrow out a little bit too far outboard and then you gotta you know have like a lot weaker spine and it just I, I don't know and the other thing I didn't like about a shooting right off the shelf was um, when I had a good grip on it like like the fat of my uh, uh, hand, you know, between my, my thumb and my, my index finger would kind of squish. And every now and then yeah. I get like feather, feather rub on it as it went by. Okay. Um, yeah. not as bad as like, let's say like a bear Montana, which is absolute fucking crap. But, um, the, the, I yeah. mean, I would just barely feel it, but if it wasn't for that, as far as just actual, just grip and the way it like fits in my hand and it's got a nice palm swell and it's flat and a thumb kind of rest. I mean, it just, my hand just slotted into that thing. Like it was meant to be, it's just, I just, um, there was just other things that I just didn't gel with that bow for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm just more of a recurve guy. I, I haven't old, tried any. You're old school. Is what it is. You're, you're, you're trapped in the past that, uh, with that bare weather rest and everything. And I understand like the, you know, the beauty of it and how it does certain things and everything. It's just those Tolkies, those are meant for off the shelf. Same with the Centaur, same with mm -hmm. most of these custom bows like that. 
But you know that bear that you're yeah. shooting, like you've got like monster sight windows. See, like me personally, I you couldn't pay me to shoot a bear, and I shot a grizzly for a long time. It's just the hand shock and the springiness to it, and the mass production. Like, all right, so put it this way: like my bow, if something happens to my bow, like right now, I could smash it with a hammer behind me. And I'm going to call Jim at Centaur at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Jim, I need a bow right now, blah, 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 blah. And, like, you know, it's that personal level that you have with your boyer. Mm-hmm. And, like, Bear, you just you don't get that personal level for me. I mean, I just no, didn't like the way I feel. No, I agree. But you need to yeah. have, if you're going to shoot an elevated rest, you're stuck with either Bear or PSE or something like that, or you're going to be stuck with an ILF rig. If you're going to geek out mm-hmm. and you're going to do the, the weird stuff, like, you just... You can't go to these custom guys like Tolkien and like Centaur. It just won't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. I've got like a real hankering for uh, a Hoyt Satori. Um, just don't want to cough up the funds for like yet another bow right now because I just got rid of like everything but uh, my the Kodiak and I have a 1966 Bear Grizzly that I won't sell. Um, it shoots great. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, but I hear what you're saying. Like the, the, the difference in one boat to the next is just like staggeringly different. Like the, 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 the grizzly will shoot the same arrow. Probably it, I mean, my bows are light. These are light bows. I, and I ended up that way because my yeah. draw length kept getting shorter and shorter. So, I mean, my Kodiak's only about like 38 pounds. Um, my, my yeah. grizzly is like 42. Okay. But I just actually chronoed them yesterday and shooting the exact well one actually shoots a uh the grizzly shoots like a 30 grain heavier arrow but shooting this same arrow off you know through the, through the chronograph between both bows four pounds lighter almost that kodiak is like four feet per second faster than the grizzly you know for the for the same weight arrow it, it, it's unreal yeah. and i'm um, just lights out with I've that heard thing that. yeah and it just it just See, feels good why why, why why do you want to go with a hoy satori looks i mean you just you like that metal and you like all that weight and everything. I mean, are you shooting predominantly target or are you hunting? I mean, you spot hunting. stock. No, hu- yeah, that's, hunting. That's um, heavy tree pole, saddle. Man. That's just I know, and I want to go that route because I haven't uh, tried that route. I've tried the super wispy light stuff, and I didn't yeah. end up liking that. Okay, so I, I tried shooting the uh, See, I like uh, the bear like slick stick. Nah, the what? I don't like them. I didn't like that bear paw either. Yeah, I just the grip on that was looked like it was gonna be a good good fit for me, but it was just too slippery in the hand. So so that went down you know, down the road, and then like I said, I got the Pika, which was really really nice, but that went down the road, and that heavier Kodiak went down the road because it just it was different than my the Kodiak that I have. I mean, grip is everything to me. But what I haven't tried is going down the ILF path. Now I've tried all these lighter bows and stuff, and I want to go the other direction. Like I can't afford a Bob Lee. You know, everyone says, you know, Bob Lee, you know, heavyweight, hardcore, whatever, you know, mass weight, um, more stable, all that stuff. Right. So I want to go down that direction of uh, not necessarily for, you know, being able to to mess with tiller and this, that and the other. But um, I just want I, I don't really shoot longer bows. You know, the longest bow right now I have is, is a 60 is that that 60 inch. Um, I had a yeah. Omega, an Omega original, which was 64 and it's kind of long and, um, the grip was a little bit, you know, too bulky for me. So, you know, I, I, I sold that one after a while, but, um, I, 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 I kind of like, I'm okay. I don't because I haven't had it yet, 
but it seems like I would like the features that an ILF has as far as grip goes. I like that flat, I like the flat, uh, you know, palm. I like the, the, the grip on the things. I like being able to, um, like I shoot mostly instinctive or at least gap instinctive, whatever you want to call it, like overall sight picture. I don't do like actual gapping, but I would like to try you know, crawling down the string, you know, you know, and, and do like a fixed crawl or something, but it, I, you just need longer limbs for that. I've tried it with the bows I have. And by the time you crawl down any more than like a half inch down the string, the tune just goes to shit. Okay. You're pulling so unevenly yeah. on those limbs. The limbs just aren't long enough to do that. I know some guys get away with it, but I think the longer the limbs you have, the more you can play around with something like that. So I'm just kind of trying to go the other direction of like, okay, have a 62, 64 inch bow, probably, um, nice long working limbs, uh, nice grip, heavy weight, heavy mass. And then being able to play around with like, okay, I'm going to actually try and like, uh, crawl down the string and just put the, you know, actually use my arrow to aim. I don't know. I just I, I like trying trying different things. But I also want a Northern Mist, uh, um, a classic, you know, hill style bow. Yeah. I want to try one of them. Uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. I would skip the Satori though. I, I actually shot one recently, and like I, I went through. I tried tuning it just to make sure that it wasn't just a poor tune or anything. I yeah. was not impressed. I I didn't like the feel of it. Not even just the feel. The sound of it sounded like somebody's like smashing a garbage can against another garbage can. Like it was horrible, <laughs> and that was with their limbs. I don't know. Like you know, if you're geeking out, you want to put a stabilizer and a blunger button, and you know, put some other stuff on it. Like cool, it's got all kinds of holes that you can put stuff in. But if you're gonna go ILF, I'd go life cycle gear without a doubt. It's American made, number one. That uh, I mean, the guy's yeah. harvesting this wood. You could put any limbs you want in it. I mean, I got a set of Centaur ILF limbs on mine right now. So technically, I'm shooting a Centaur at the same time. But the riser, he, you know, it's here's the thing. Like for what you're looking to do, that riser is the way to go. For me, I had an issue with it that uh, I don't like. I don't like having multiple sets of arrows. I like to shoot one arrow out of all my bows. So what I had yeah. to do, I actually had to build the shelf out a little bit <clears> because he's just. He's got it so that way you can tune it. You know what I mean? You can do whatever the hell you want to it. But I'm just not used to that, having to build out shelves and stuff. But that thing, it's a tack driver, and for an ILF rig, I don't know how he did it. It's silent. I really don't. And, like, and like when he asked me, you know, what I thought of it, I just still couldn't believe that it was quiet. Like, every other ILF rig I've ever seen was loud. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, uh, so I, I hear that all the time. Like I'll, I'll hear some of the guys at the range with their target bows. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them just bought the thing from somebody because it's hanging off a shelf and they have no idea how to tune. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know who or what to believe as far as like that goes, but I mean, I've asked around and it's like, okay, well, can you get, can you get a Satori quiet? And they're like, oh, you can absolutely get a Satori quiet. You just, you know, just like any other bow, you got to tune it. Okay. All right. I'm up for the challenge, you know? Uh, the life cycle stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm re I'm really liking what I see. I see uh, you know you know Schaefer uh, magnet from um, uh, you know Green Mountain uh, Tradcast. I know he's shooting yeah. one. Um, I just I there's just not enough history out there with because it's relatively new, you know. But I know, yes. you know, I I don't think Ron would put out a bad product, you know. All right. Yeah. Okay. We're recording again. Maybe I did something stupid. I don't okay. know. I've been known to do that. Yeah. Uh, so no big we left off with, uh, I was saying, yeah, I don't think, you know, because that's, that's Ron Rohrbaugh's, co Rohrbaugh's company, right? Life cycle. So, yeah. uh, 
you know, the guy's the guy's been around shooting this stuff for a long time, and I don't think he's going to put out a bad product. I just I just don't have enough, um, you know, firsthand experience, or or uh, I don't think they've been out long enough. You know, so you're like the second guy I've talked to basically that that, that shoots one. So yeah, they're really really cool. You know, I was shooting. You know, the way that I tuned it by building out the shelf, what I did was I kept taking small pieces of leather and sticking it behind my uh, my little piece of calf hair. Mm-hmm. And I tried, kept trying to get that arrow to fly, get the arrow to fly so that we could use the same arrow. The funny thing is, is once I built it out to where it needs to be, I was shooting 40, 50 yards with it like it was nothing and just dropping wow. them right in. And the weird thing is I was shooting recurve limbs. I'm, I'm not a fan of recurve. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just prejudiced against them. But <laughs> even with his recurve limbs, they they were pretty damn solid. But uh, yeah. like I said, right now I've got set up. I, I ended up redoing the whole thing and set it up with Centaur ILF. They're not available anymore. I had to totally scream at Jim to build me a set. That uh, I've been shooting those. I think they're like 32 pounds at 27 inches. And, I mean, it's a Ferrari with a lightweight arrow. I mean, total really? Ferrari. It's Oh, yeah, it's fun. But at the same time, I still find myself navigating back to my hunting rig. I'm a one-bow kind of guy, and it's hard for me to hop around, but it's kind of exciting at the same time to hop around a little bit because it keeps me on my toes, I've noticed. Um, I got target yeah. panic. I don't know how to know that. I got, I got target panic so bad. Like, like I literally, like, people say that you can get over it. You don't get over it. You learn to work with it. And you learn to understand mm-hmm. it, and you learn to to train. I mean, every day is a new day with target panic, for sure. So I've noticed switching around and playing with different mm-hmm. bows and different weights, it confuses my brain enough to shoot. I mean, I shoot like a damn champion, but like you'd never know that I fight target panic all day, every day. Great point about switching around like that, because I'm 100% in agreement with, with everything that you just said about that, because... Um, I, I never get rid of it. I have it. I have it if I shoot my compound because because that one you're actually putting the pin right on where you want to shoot, and that I really don't like. Yeah. It. I cheat my brain when I'm shooting a trad bow because I'm kind of like in a six o'clock hold, and the point of my arrow is not exactly where I want to hit, so it confuses my brain that everything's okay, you know. But um, yeah. then I started to develop clicker panic. Okay. And I'm still kind of fighting through clicker panic. And I 100% understand the whole point of it is to not think about the freaking clicker. It's, it's about the process. I get it. I can't, I haven't taken, you know, Joel's course or Tom's course or anything like that, but, um, I'm, take them. Definitely take them. I know everyone says, I know, I know it's it's It's, expensive. I'm not going to lie. I cheated. I just stalked both those guys and i'm talking like stock like any sort of information that they would put out if they put a podcast out i was on it and watching if they did a video i was on it yeah. and watching and i pieced together joel's course and uh joel's <laughs> course for me is more important than anything else i don't have a physical problem i got a mental problem but if you could literally listen to the words that that man says and truly execute them and just do it the way that you're supposed to you're going to change your life and you know, and that's it. Which clicker are you using? Using a limb-driven? Yeah, like a clickety clicker or whatever. Switch over. Have you tried the uh, uh, who the hell makes it? Uh, uh, Rocky the, Mountain Specialty, Tom? Yeah, Have you tried it's, his? it's it's sitting downstairs on my workbench in the drawer. 
I tried. Well, okay. I'm going to say I tried, but I, I definitely, full disclosure, have not given it like the full, you know, like week or two or whatever it takes, it takes to do it. I couldn't get the thing to stick properly where I wanted it to and have it repeatable all the time. I just, I, there's, there's, okay. I'm not trying to put size. It. Did you go with? Uh, no, medium? no, no. Cause it, it's, it's a new, all right. So as long as you end up in the medium, did you find it that it wouldn't click when you wanted it to, because it was on the, say the bump of your, uh, I'm trying to explain this because you got to remember, it's still a new product and I'm not poo pooing at all either, but you know, it's, Every bow is different. Every person is different. Every hand is different. And finding out how to make it work for you was the hardest part that I did. That uh, like that clicker hates Centaur. Absolutely hates Centaur. It will not go off the way that it's built on a Centaur because the way that Jim does the bump out where where your wrist would sit, uh, well, where your palm would sit. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to open up and modify it to work on certain bows. But uh. If if you yeah, I can walk you I, through the whole thing, I, it's, I, it's worth using. I know I I I I like it, and I know that it's that it's going to help you on the mental side of it as far as expansion and and you know going through that whole expansion phase. I get it, but I like the limb one because it's actually giving me a consistent draw length as well. Now I'm not going to yes. lie to you and tell you that I actually hit a clicker. You know, every single time. If I'm if I if I hit my clicker seven out of ten shots, I'm honestly that's probably like a like a, a good good number for me to be like a like a truthful number. But um I, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie, also... that's not good, man. That's really I know. not good. <laughs> I know. You you gotta know. you gotta get on uh shot IQ because you know that that's part of the issue because like you know, you're you're in the same boat that I was in a little while ago when I was doing it. And I'm like, yeah, seven out of ten ain't bad. I'm like, I'm I'm pretty good with that. The truth is, like, if you don't hit your clicker, you're doing something wrong. And and I only say that because what happens is when I get in the woods, because I knew that I didn't always hit it, it was almost acceptable to not hit it when I got into the woods. And mm -hmm. that's when I felt pieces. So that's why I had to get away from that thing. And the reason why I couldn't hit the clicker with limb driven is because of shoulder damage. I can't get a consistent draw length. I, I migrate within a quarter inch. A quarter inch with a, a string clicker is a decent bit. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, that's the difference between going off and not going off. So I, I yeah, couldn't do absolutely. the string clicker. And it was just, I feel like it was making it harder. I ended up switching over to the life cycle gear once again, his handy clicker. And that broke me like a horse because you literally couldn't shoot unless you went through all of it you know you were in more control but at the same time i could still override it i could just go click and shoot you know which was rough and then i realized i had a mental game problem real bad right. the rocky mountain specialty broke me the rest of the way because literally like there was no way to override like it was going to click or it wasn't going to click and the only way that it would click is if you did everything correct and you could still right. use it without – you could still use it with shoulder damage. But I jump back and forth between the life cycle and the RMS right now. But I modified the hell out of my RMS. I mean, anybody that looks at it, they're like, what the hell did you do to it? And, yeah, I, I butchered it. Yeah. So are you are you actually hitting your clicker um, in, in most of these – because, I mean, you, you shoot, like, a ton of crap. 
So are you actually getting getting through all of this, uh, you know, the, your full expansion and clicker and all that stuff in in a hunting situation? Like the last, I don't know, however many animals you've shot. Yep. Have, have, you, have you hit it every single time? Every single time. I, wow. it's it, that's it, And you have to because when I used to not hit it every single time, that's when I was hitting an animal high. That's when I was hitting low. That's when I was just all over the board because – I was giving myself the excuse going, oh, sometimes I don't hit my clicker. And I was setting myself up for failure getting into the woods when it was yeah. more important. It was most important to really, truly hit my clicker every time in the woods. And that's when my life thats when my life changed. When I made the decision that, like Joel Turner says, if there's no excuses. You're going to hit it every single time. Every shot is going to be perfect. And they make fun of him for saying that sometimes, like, but it's true. It's you're gonna do it right every single time, or not at all, and that's it. Yeah. And and once I really understood what he was saying with that, that's when I made the decision that I'm gonna hit it every single time, no matter what, or I'm gonna let down. I'd rather have the animal walk away than me not hit my clicker. Hmm. Yeah. But at that's, the same time. Uh, <clears throat> It's tough though sometimes to hit your clicker. You know, I've got I've got severe shoulder damage. Like I was shooting yesterday, just doing a little bit of tuning, and you know, 30 arrows in, 40 arrows in, all of a sudden I can't get my clicker to go off anymore. And that's what's weird about the RMS one. Like with a string clicker, you could just pull. You know, if you just pull as hard as you can, you're going to hit the clicker. That RMS yeah. one, like my shoulder is riding high. I'm not in back tension. I'm not expanding through. That thing is not going to go off. There's no way to force that clicker to go off. So what happens is you literally just can't shoot. You know, and it kept happening to me yesterday. I would get to full draw, and I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to get everything right. And the fatigue and the pain was too intense that the arrow never left my bow. And that's that's okay with me. I'd rather have it never leave my bow than the half asset going yeah. out of there. Huh. But it's yeah, Joel, man. You know, I know. I feel bad. Yeah, I never and, took his course. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. I mean, I've tried to absorb every single thing that he's ever said, just like you, every, every podcast, whatever. And, uh, you know, he's been asked before, too. It's like, hey, um, you know, you've been on, you know, so many things and you've talked about all this stuff. Like, is it worth, like, taking your course? Because you've pretty much said everything, you know, whatever. And people say, yes, it's still worth taking the course, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things I don't understand I, it, you know, that's, that's what it comes down to. Like, I didn't understand him at first. I didn't understand what he was talking about. And I mean, I grasped the concept, but... Once you truly understand what he is saying, and and it's weird. It's like, you know what it is? Like, Joel's stuff is more like self-help that, rather than instructional. I mean, it's it's different. But, you know, it's – if you understand what he's saying and actually do what he's saying, you're going to be one of the best. And that's yeah. it. There, there's no in-between. Yeah. Mm. You know, Tom's stuff – I follow some of Tom's stuff. I feel stupid because I'll, like – have an epiphany one day and like do something different. I'm shooting so much better. And then five minutes later, I realized Tom's been teaching that. And I'm like, damn it. You know, I should just take his damn course because I'm tired <laughs> of learning the hard way. When, if I just take his course, you know, maybe I'll be even better. But yeah. at this point, I really feel like right now my shooting ability is at its all time high and growing more and more every day. Yeah. And it's because of 
simple mm. people because of ron because of you know rms because of because of shot iq all these guys and you know it's just it's been amazing yeah so let's circle back a little bit to um to your bow then you had uh so how, how long is that is that uh centaur she's a little in she's only 56 inches oh really oh yeah 56 Huh. Okay. So there's. Okay. I was going to ask you how, um, how that thing is in you know in a tree stand and and maneuvering around. Because I mean you're in you're in some tight tight quarters too. I know you shoot a lot out of a tree, but I mean you do a lot of ground hunting too, don't you? I mean there's a lot of spot and stock oh, yeah. going on. Yeah. Do you think a longer bow would would hamper you or? Um, I would never shoot a longer bow. You know I I've shot Jim's 58 on and off quite a bit. Yeah. And. I like his 58, and I feel like I potentially could shoot it even better. But the 56, I know it doesn't sound like a big difference. That 56, I really can get in some tight areas with, and it just it works. It really does what does what it's supposed to do. My wife shoots the 58, and uh, I like it, but it's not my bow. You know that that's the thing. Like. When I pick up my bow, I can close my eyes, I can draw it, and I can release the arrow. I know what it's going to do, and I know how it's going to feel. It's it's a very personal thing, me and that bow. Yeah, yeah. What do you um? What do you got as far as uh? So you you said, you said what? It's like fifty pounds at twenty seven? Is that kind of or forty seven? Uh, forty seven at twenty seven is the true draw Yeah. So what are you shooting out of that? What what's your uh, like arrow setup? So I ended up in an oddball. I ended up in a <laughs> this is this is the funny one you know some of these guys like to geek out and change their arrows i can't change i am so stubborn i shoot an easton bloodline 480 spine with standard inserts and 225 grain up front and ready to laugh out of the package i they bear shaft 100 percent in full length which it's hmm. not a very long arrow to begin with and because it's done that, it's something about this arrow is very forgiving that I've been able to fluctuate between all of the centaurs that I shoot. I've been able to fluctuate using the same arrow, and it still shoots <clears throat> perfectly. But it's not that stupid hit insert. You know, I used to shoot the axis, and I hate hit insert. It's yeah. just a standard insert. Um, some people think that, oh, so 225 up front. Um, my broadhead these days, I'm favoring... Uh, the Centaur short mags. Uh, I think they're... God, I don't even know how wide they are anymore. Let me see if I got one in front of me. Yep, I got one. Let me see if I can measure this bad boy real quick. Uh, inch and five-eighths, I believe. Which is... I call that my little broad head. But uh, oh. that, that's what I favor these days. But normally, I would be shooting the battle axes, which is two and an eighth inch wide. That's what I killed most of my animals with. Holy jeez. Yeah, just about every animal on our YouTube is killed with the short mags or the uh, the battle axe, but 90% of them with the battle axe. That's a big broadhead. It's awesome, dude. Uh, it doesn't matter wow. where you hit it, it's going to die. It's like throwing a snow <laughs> shovel that's been sharpened like a razor blade at something. That, uh, what, what's, your, what's your total arrow weight then? What does that come out? It's not, not very heavy. If I remember right, I think I came in at like 490 or something like that. It's actually a fairly middle-of-the-road arrow. So the yeah. weird thing is everybody wondered if I was going that high FOC thing. I'm not a high FOC guy, but it worked out that I have higher FOC. Nothing crazy because uh, the arrow is only 
I think it's like 6.8 grain per inch or something like that. Let me see if I even have one in here. Uh, let me see. I thought it said it on this thing. So it's a little bit lighter grains per inch anyway. So by the time you put whatever you're going to put on the front end, it naturally gains FOC. Yes, but keep in mind, I'm also not a very heavy bow. What I, I was trying to achieve 10 grains per pound, give or take. You know, if I'm 47 pounds, I want to be around a 470 grain arrow. And that's that's what we kind of achieved. It's not heavy, but it's not super, super light either. <clears throat> but uh, it works, man. I, that arrow with a battle axe in the front, the two and an eighth inch wide, you've seen the damage that it does to all the animals. I mean, hell, that bobcat almost cut in half with that one. Yeah, yeah. And and do you and you get lots of pass throughs on uh, some some like bigger bigger pigs and stuff with that? I mean that's that's, yes. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, on the ground I tend to have more pass throughs. So what I've done is I've manipulated my broadhead setup depending on what I'm doing. I'm favoring the short mags in the tree stand these days, which is just a little more narrow. And what happens is I can enter high and not have to worry about shield, you know, and the thickness of certain animals and still get a pass through. But if I'm on the ground, I want a battle axe. I don't care if I get an exit hole because that thing is going to make such a big entrance, it means nothing to me. And I, I personally would prefer not to have a pass-through with that battle axe because that thing is just working like a blender inside of that animal while it's running. Mm-hmm. Huh. But yeah, it's, in, you know, it's not a heavyweight bow. It's not a heavy arrow, and... It works. It does what it's supposed to do. I'd be confident with that setup for just about any animal. Well, yeah. I mean, it seems to do the job. I mean, that's 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 pretty impressive. I, I was I was just curious because you don't seem to um, have a lot of like lost animals. You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, of course it's. Well, you don't you don't see that though. You know, that, that's the thing. Like, I don't really post a video going, "Hell, look at that shot. He's running for the hills. Kiss him goodbye." Like, mm-hmm. I do lose animals. That's something that people don't yeah. talk about. Um, I've shoulder shot animals. I don't care how heavy of an arrow or this or that and FOC and all this other junk. If I hit a pig square in the shoulder, you flip a damn coin whether I'm going to get it or not. And it does happen. You know, I've... Yeah. My, reco- my recovery rate is very high, but I'd say I've lost... I lose a couple every year. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I, yeah. I, I don't lose them because of arrow. I don't lose them because of bow. I lose them because of Florida. <laughs> That's the real answer of why I'm losing these animals. I know the damn thing's dead, but when, like, I lost one the other day. I'm tracking at 2 o'clock in the morning. Everything's going well. Guess what? Here comes the rain. Kiss the damn thing goodbye, because you're not going to just stumble upon your animal down here in the south. You know, you got to have a blood trail. If you don't have one, you're not finding it. And, uh, yeah, that's why I got so it's amazing. Yeah, you know, I was gonna Sorry. say it's amazing. It's yeah, it's amazing what they can hide under. You know, this this last pig that I shot, um, you know, full pass through, decent blood trail that you know. But I mean, they don't bleed a lot anyway. And uh, I mean, double lung, and you know, she only went eighty yards, but it took us like an hour to find her. And you know as yeah. well as anybody that, you know, a lot, and this, this was like 115, 120-ish pound sow. These things can disappear under, you know, a palmetto the size of a small coffee table, you know, and you, you'll, you'll never find yeah. it. You know, it's amazing. So, yeah, I, I, 
I, I totally get where you're coming from where they just everything can be just absolutely perfect and then it's like okay florida swallows it up and he just you know camouflages it and no matter what you just you know you're you're going round and round in circles and then eventually you're like okay i i, I give up yeah. that's why i brought the string tracker back that uh you know, I, I had to. You know, after losing that pig a few weeks ago, I was just, I was so pissed off that, you know, I put a perfect shot. The film was amazing. Everything was wonderful. And all it took was a 30-second downpour. I mean, that's all it did. It rained for 30 seconds, which was long enough to wash all my blood away. I was so mad. I was like, why am I not using my string tracker? And the truth is I've not <clears throat> used my string tracker because I didn't want to build them that everybody wanted one after I did a video with it. And it was, it was too annoying to try to build. We've already been so busy with business that I just couldn't take it. So I talked to Allison after the hunt. I said, I'm using the tracker. You know, she says, well, people are going to want one. And I said, well, screw it. I'll build 10 of them. And that way, you know, I can go out and I can hunt. And if, if they take off, then I'll build a few more. And I went out and I did that most recent string tracker hunt. Mm-hmm. The next day, we announced that we had them for sale, and we sold all of them in a day. And then I built 10 more, and we sold all of them. And now I'm on the 50th one that's just being stitched up right now. And everybody wants them. I mean, it works. Yeah, I saw that, and then I was like, okay, finally, because I'm, I'm going to get one for for next year, for definitely for turkey season. Um, you, for some reason, it's almost imp- not impossible but it's really hard to find a good st- string tracker i know you can find one like on you know like three rivers or, or lancaster or something like that but nobody really makes like there's not a lot of companies that make like a really like robust string tracker and then i saw what you were doing and it's all leather wrapped and this and that i'm like holy crap this thing's like it looks incredibly well built and sturdy and beautiful. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going to get one of these things. I don't need one now, but I'm definitely going to get one before Turkey season. And I'm really glad that you're building that. So, um, since we kind of segued into, I know we've been kind of at this almost an hour, haven't even talked about your products. So let's just run through some of the other stuff that, that you build and, and, and sell. Well, we build a lot of stuff and I'm trying not to build you know, we started off as just a quiver company that I was building side quivers. I, I hate having a quiver on my bow. So, you know, I built a custom leather side quiver that's made for broadheads. And then it snowballed into all of a sudden I'm building tabs. And then, you know, if I'm going to spend $1,800 on a custom bow, you know, I want a custom tab. So they just, they got crazier and crazier. I mean, we're doing snake skin, iguana skin. I mean, all different kinds of crazy <clears throat> exotic that we harvest ourselves too, which is even funnier for all these tabs. And then right. it snowballed into bow mounted quivers because everybody wanted a bow mounted quiver also, which snowballed into deer calls, which snowballed into now string trackers. I mean, it's, we're carrying too many damn products. All right, believe it or not. So we've been on the, we've been on for a little over an hour. I've actually stitched up like 20 tabs while on with you right now. Cause no kidding. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here hand stitching the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, it's, I love it. Well, we weren't even supposed to be a company when we started this. It just sort of fell in our lap one day, and you know, it just turned into all this. And you know, I'm I'm in construction my whole life, you know, and all of a sudden I don't do any construction anymore. I literally sit in my shop all day, every day, sewing. And when I'm not sewing, I'm hunting. And it's it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
the trackers are a pain in the butt. I, I wish to God that I didn't have to do the trackers, but I want to use them, and it's the only way that I would like it being built. So. Well, I'm Shut glad up. that you're building. I'm glad that you're building them because when I saw that again, I, it actually like. Um, <clears throat> I mean, n- not a lot like gets me excited, you know. Like, no offense, like I'm sure you quiver. I don't have one of your quivers, but you know, quivers don't you know don't get me like excited. Um, you know, tabs. You know, I use what I use, but when I saw the string tracker, I'm like, sweet! Finally, this like someone who actually uses one and is going to build it the way that I'm sure it's going to be that that he he would want it used. And and it looks nice. It looks it looks it looks really good. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm definitely gonna check this thing out. We, so we I was. Uh, them. It, it's yeah, what? What? what you, ever, you ever used one before? No, never. Oh, dude, it's it's amazing. All right, so like, here's how this all happened. Uh, I was digging through a box of like garbage that we got at a yard sale, and they had the old school. I actually have it sitting right in front of me. It's called the Game Tracker Model 2500. It's literally the old original game tracker. And what happened was, like, I didn't have a way to put it onto my bow back then. So I ended up taking PVC caps, like a a piece of, I can't remember, it was like inch and a quarter is the size of the spool. So I took two caps and the PVC, hollowed out one of the caps, and made a string tracker that went into a bolt-on to my riser because it was ILF back then. And I shot a pig with it. And it was, like, amazing. Like, I literally didn't have to do anything but just follow this string to this pig. And I loved it. But then when I switched over to a custom bow, there was no way to get it onto the limb. And, you know, this is before we were even a company. So I stopped using it because I didn't. I wasn't going to drill my rise or anything. And I know the guys over at Drifter make one. Um, they make a leather one. The issue is I just didn't like the way that there's mounted. Mm-hmm. So... When I started, I lost a pig, you know, a few years ago, and I was mm-hmm. pissed. And I'm like, I want the string tracker back. So I ended up modifying and built my own string tracker again to go onto the limbs of a bow. And then it worked, and everything was wonderful. But then once again, I didn't want to build it. And then it just it kept snowballing. So I stopped using it because I didn't want to build them. And now this new design, actually this design isn't even mine. I credit one of my friends that actually came up with it. Um, Tim Roberts came up with the original design for this. Uh, well, for at least the leather work. And uh, it's a pain in the butt. This cross stitch is a nightmare. It's the forming. It's wet formed, and you got to wait for it to dry. Then you got to dye it. Then you got to do all this other stuff. But it took the errors out. Um, everybody that used a string tracker back in the day, there used to be a cork or a plug that would go in it. And the guys would draw back their bow, and they go to shoot, and they can't figure out why they missed by three feet. It's because they never pulled the plug out. So this design, there oh. is no plug. When you're not using it, you actually take the string, cut the end off your arrow, and tuck it back in, inside of the funnel. So you can't make the mistake. That made it dummy-proof. By being able to mount it on your bow up high, you're not not—you're going to be able to see the string. You can come to full draw and still see the string coming out of this thing, laying down next to your arrow at full draw, and you know, okay, did I wrap it around something like that before releasing the arrow? So that made it dummy-proof. And just the way that we we finish off the inside of it, it's it's smooth. It's really, really, really smooth and works. I mean, I don't even know how many animals I've used on it now, but I tell you what, it's going to be on my bow every single day from now on. But it does have its downfalls. Like, we're using 17-pound test string. Is it going to break? It could, yeah. But let's just say it breaks after 40 yards. Who cares? It got 40 yards for free. 
without being on my hands and knees and tracking. Oh, or, absolutely, yeah, you know, yeah. And that's what it is. It's it's not a guaranteed thing, but it gives you a leg up. Um, I'm actually going to start doing a little testing on the 30-pound test string. I'm a little worried about it. I'm not going to lie. That the 17, I feel very confident with because that's what I've always used. The 30, I'm a little worried that it's going to be a little heavy and might have some issues. But with what I'm hunting here, it's so thick, I'd rather have a better chance of it not breaking by using the 30. So I want to try it. Huh. But, is, uh, uh, it's, it's, is is flight wise are, are they different as far as like seventeen or thirty? I mean, is, how, does it affect your arrow flight much? Or I, I supposedly it will affect it. I don't know how much because I've not tested the thirty. The seventeen, mm. I don't notice any difference at all. You know, the biggest important is when you use the string tracker. People made the mistake too. They get that brand new spool and they covet it. You know, it's got a half a mile of string on it. You've got to pull out the first. 100 200 feet because it's so tightly wound inside that spool it actually makes a noise as it's coming out when it's tightly wound but it causes resistance so you got to get rid of that first couple hundred feet in order to make that resistance go away in that tightly wound ball but uh once you do that i don't notice any flight difference at all and i'm throwing big broadheads with it too yeah yeah Huh. I, I didn't. Cool, like I said, I've never used one, so I, I didn't know. I didn't know about that having to. So I guess when when you when you buy the spool, it's kind of like what you're like you're. It's kind of like a reload. You're like it's like it's you're reloading it back into the, in into the tube that it goes into. But it but there's exactly. so much string on that. It's yeah okay. So you got to basically take off winds windings off off the the spool to make it fit a little bit better and fly off a little bit better well, so when it's shot. Is that what you're saying? It's inner wound, though. Okay, instead of taking the string from the outside of the spool, it actually mm-hmm. comes from the center of the spool. So the center of the spool, when you get it, is so tightly wound that you can't even put a pencil in in between uh, there. As okay. you pull it okay. out, the spool is getting you know, wider and wider and wider. By the time you're ready to go where it should be, you'll be able to put your pinky inside the hole of the spool. So it because it's center wound, if if that makes sense to you. Yeah, it's from the inside, not from the outside that that the strings. Exactly. Off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. You, you've got to just take some of that center out and in, in order to get it to flow correctly. And like, you know, the issue with a game tracker that happened so many years ago is just user error. It's a great thing. It's absolutely wonderful if you use it correctly. And education's the most important thing. Like we've got to put a video together. We are slacking. Like we are supposed to have the video up on YouTube on the step by step for setup on this thing and we've not done it so luckily it's not seasoned yet so we shouldn't have any issues but we're gonna try yeah to do no it. I'd, I'd love to see it so is is there any reason so i don't i've never gone bow fishing and i've never had a string track yeah. so is there a reason why you can't combine the two and like go bow fishing with a string tracker or vice versa i mean because, because you can't you reuse the string on the string tracker let's just say you shoot an animal and it runs 100 yards you're going to ball up that 100 yards of string that it ran and going to throw it in the garbage. You can't you have to re, re you can't reuse the spool. Versus bow fishing, you can reel the line in with say an AMS retriever. You just keep reeling it in and reuse the string over and over again. This the game track you can't reuse the string. But I'm I'm talking about the uh, not even like an actual reel that you reel it in with, but like the old school like spools, you know, they're they're just like a like a like oh, a round spool, oh. you know, and it just kind of comes off, yeah. and you just sure. you would just wind it on. Now, obviously, with a string tracker, you've got what like a half a mile or something like that of string in there half versus mile, you know, yeah. yeah, okay. So I guess 
that, that would that would kind of take care of that. But I don't know. I, I was just thinking, like, if you if you combine the two, um, and you're only shooting like short distance, like, why not be able to wind something back up, you know, on or into or onto a string tracker? I re, I, I realize what you're saying. The like the, the cartridge of spool yeah. that comes in is 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 different than the way you would wind, uh, you, you would wind on a uh, <clears throat> on, on a bow fishing rig, but. I don't know. It would just be kind of cool yeah. to come up with something to combine the two, maybe. They've done it. The rednecks down here, see, like, legally, you can do whatever the hell you want to a pig down here. You can hunt it with any weapon, any time, any day of the year, no restrictions at all. There's actually people that have taken compounds and gone bow fishing for pigs. And literally, like, hell, they spear gun them down here. But uh, the, the issue is, is with really? the trad bow. Oh, God, yeah, dude. You could, you could hunt a pig with a spoon down here if you want to. But there's guys that have gone out with, like, fishing spear guns in their tree stand and shot pigs and reeled them in like fish. No but, sure. uh, the, yeah, so you just can't do it with a trad bow because you know, the kinetic energy, you'd have to be such a heavy pound trad bow to shoot a bow fishing right. line into a pig. Like, it's just too heavy. But, yeah, they've done it. They, yeah. You name it, Florida has done it. Uh, they've done everything. Dude, yeah, I know. I, I, I've spent enough time, and I still spend enough time, in in florida in and around and it, yeah trust me i'm i'm uh, on the periphery of like the red deckedness that's 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 down there but uh i'm not surprised when anybody tells me anything that goes on in florida <laughs> well, hell we were talking about doing a bang stick on one you know like in my my alligator bang stick that you put the 38 thing and you mm-hmm. just pop it in the head we were going to put a film yeah. together me bang stick and a hog from a tree stand but we thought about it and we i still want to do it but because we're a business, like it, it used to be so much more fun before we were a business because I could literally yeah. say do anything I want, and it meant nothing to me because I didn't care about anybody's feelings. Now, like we've got to be kind of friendly because we are a business. You know that's what sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, you don't want Bomar Bomar Part Two going on, you know. So, <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, like the banks. Is it ethical? It's legal, but is it ethical? Well, yes and no and yes. Like, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things. I mean, like, pigs are treated like garbage here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's be honest. You know, I shake like a leaf on a tree. when If I see a squirrel flick its tail just right, my buck fever kicks in. Like, I get so excited. That's that's when that clicker comes in, by the way. You got to get that clicker thing under control. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I, I work at it and I work at it and I work at it. And, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's like, I'll have my days on like some days I'm like, man, I'll hit, I hit it every time. And other times it's like, I just shot a quiver full of arrows and I think I might've hit my clicker once. Now they're all like pretty much like, I mean, if it doesn't go out and I, this is me making excuses, I'm like within like a 16th or a 32nd of the thing going off and everything is feeling right. And it's pointed right. And I'm, back tension right and the release is perfect i'm like what's the harm you know but i know that i'm kind of training my mind to always say hey what's the harm uh, how you you shoot an animal well in the tree with a clicker have you done it yet with a clicker i have i have yet to put an arrow through an animal with my traditional bow i am still 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 trying so no i have i have no uh no experience to back that up well, but meaning like, all right, so the, the miss that you had, well, not miss, the one that, that didn't work out, 
were you in control of your shot or were you not absolutely in control? Like, not i didn't even that was, i mean that was just i mean i, I even had time and I, I didn't have buck fever i didn't have you know pig fever i didn't have any of that stuff for some reason i had time i was waiting for the perfect shot i was sitting there feeding in front of me i pulled back a few times and when i actually went to do it you know for real i didn't pick a spot i didn't come to full draw i didn't come to anchor i didn't expand i completely just like mentally like I don't want to say collapse because collapse makes it sound like I got nervous. I didn't get nervous. I just got sloppy. So, I mean, when you, you, when you don't even, yeah, when you don't even pick a spot, the rest of it just falls apart. So it, it was yeah. a complete shit show from, from the minute I put my fingers on the string. So w- when you shoot, are you saying words to yourself? Do you have a sequence that you go through? I don't have a mantra. I am talking to myself like, you know, the, the whole keep pulling thing you know keep pulling keep pulling i'll do that but you know i noticed that if i some of it i'm noticing has to do with like body tension if i'm if i'm waiting for the clicker to go off and it's like okay i'm at full anchor why isn't this thing why am i not expanding why am i not expanding and sometimes it takes like forever it seems like to be pulling back and i'll i'll notice that i'm like shoving my head like kind of like closing off my head to my shoulder almost like almost like tightening tightening up all around where the string is kind of anchored. It's almost like if I'm if I'm anchored somewhere, you know, and corner of my mouth or whatever, and the rest of the world is like kind of like collapsing down on that one tiny point. I can feel my body tension. I can feel my head kind of rotate. I can feel my shoulder come up. And I'm like, what am I doing? I actually noticed this like a while back. And now I have to yeah. consciously be like, okay, get to anchor. And it's okay if it's there. Just don't move your head. Don't, don't, you know, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but I'll, I'll tend to like kind of tilt yeah, my head right. down and, and move my shoulder up and everything just kind of gets really tight. And, you know, it's like, dude, relax. And when I do that, then I can actually pull through really easily. If I don't, it's almost like I'm tightening like a vice around the knock and my fingers, you know, at full draw. And it's it just it, it doesn't go well. Yeah. It, see, the not shooting a mantra, you know, I that's. That was the game changer that changed things because I didn't believe in it either. I thought it was weird and like, this is crazy. I don't need to talk to myself. I got this. But when I started doing the mantra, that's when I went from a pretty good shooter to awesome and in 100% complete and total control. And I fight with my wife about it all the time because she's my wife is going to go out. She's going to shoot amazing and then she's going to shoot okay and then she's going to start shooting shitty. And then once she starts shooting shitty, I look at her, I'm like, you're not saying the words, are you? When I say the words, I mean the mantra. Well, I always say, say the words. And I said, yeah. are you saying them? She goes, no. I said, can you do me a favor? Can you say the words? And then she gets back, and you can watch her. She's shooting completely different because she went through the words, the steps. And all of a sudden, she's shooting lights out again. So I ask her, I'm are like, you... you know, what's that? Uh, are you saying it out loud? No, I can't say it out loud. If I say it out loud, I fall to pieces. That uh, I, I say it subconsciously. Okay. But uh, you know, but like I said, I, I tell Allison, you know, say, are you saying the words? And so she starts shooting phenomenally again. And I ask her, I'm like, why would you allow yourself to shoot without saying the words when you know you shoot better? She goes, oh, because I'm in control. <laughs> well, you're in control for a little while, and then you're slowly degrading, and you get worse and worse and worse. And then all I have to do is say, say the words. 
and then you shoot amazing again. Why not just do it from that way from the beginning? And when I said that to her a while back, I realized I'm the same way. I don't need no words because I'm shooting amazing today. But all of a sudden, the next day, I'm not shooting amazing, and I'm trying to figure out what's going wrong. Why not do something that works every time anyways? I don't know if I said that correctly, but... No, it, 100%, it, yeah. You know, like, why have an off day? Why not just make all my days good? And once I made that decision and came up with the correct words, the hardest part to do was making the coming up with the correct words. But once I found those... I've been in 100% complete and total control of everything that I do. And if there's a shot that doesn't happen correctly, because of the words that we've chosen, I can go back and reflect on what happened that shot and diagnose exactly what went wrong. Because my steps are so clean that I can diagnose anything that happens. And when, I, when Allison starts doing it too, if she uses the words and she makes a bad shot, and I look at her and go, what happened? She goes, well, I ended up lifting my elbow. Or, oh, well, I feel like I was trailing my pinky. Like, she can go back and reflect on everything that happened instead of going, what did I just do wrong? What the hell? Mm. And it, it, seems, it seems overkill. And that was one thing that Allison used to say to me. She's like, this is overkill. You put a giant buck in front of me in a tree stand at 10 yards broadside looking away from me, I need to be overkill because I'm flipping friggin' out completely with that animal in front of me. So by having it embedded in my head what I have to do in those words, even with that animal in front of me, I'm still able to execute a clean shot or make a mistake and know what I did wrong at least. Do you think it helps you get out of the buck fever um, kind of haze? And it's like, okay, here's what I know I can do. So step one, step two, step three, you know, as, as you're going through, um, and yeah. it, it, it makes you kind of step back a little bit, detach from the moment and make it, make it more clinical and it calm, and does it calm your brain down? So you go through all that so, and, and takes away from the nervousness um, of the moment. Because, all right. So I talked to Joel a little while ago and like, it's, this is a little bit direction, you know, strange direction. It, it doesn't calm me down. I, I'm not calm. I'm still freaking out. I'm still super excited. But it's the the words and the sequence is so embedded into me, and I'm so in control that even though I'm shaking, even though I'm freaking out, I still know that I am not allowed to let that arrow fly unless I've completed all of my steps and used every single word and went through my sequence. And okay, so. I'm still freaked out, but I'm in control. And the only reason why I'm in control is because I, I didn't always used to be in control. I would still, I would shoot beautifully in the yard. And all of a sudden I got up in front of a group of like a hundred people shooting an arrow at a tournament that Allison beat me at, which I'm so upset about. And <laughs> I dumped an arrow. I Dude, I got to like half draw and just released and just shot the arrow in the dirt. And I was so upset with myself. Like, how could I let myself do this? Like, I'm better than this. I was so upset, I called Joel up. I said, hey, man, I've never taken your course. You know, this is what I'm doing. I'm sorry. I'm a bum. I I, I stole all your information by listening to everything you've ever said. <laughs> but I got to ask you, am I missing something? Like, Joel, do I got to go and take your course right now? Because, like, 
I just, I told him what happened. And I'm like, I completely whiffed at this tournament after being in such control. And he goes, he yelled at me. He's like, you're an idiot. You know what you're doing. You don't need the course. You already pretty much know everything <laughs> in the course. You just got to be in control. Stop being stupid and make every shot count. Every shot needs to be 100%. And like, and I'm like, what the hell, man? And But here's the thing. That pep talk, even though it just sounded like a pep talk, like go out and do it. He was right. I was allowing myself to go, well, I guess this was good enough, even though I didn't hit my clicker. Like, you need to make every shot be perfect. And the only way you could do that is by following steps and just freaking do it. And that's what he was yelling at me. And since that day that he yelled at me on the phone, like, I don't screw up anymore. Like, I literally, either you're going to do it right or you're not going to do it at all. And it's important. It's really, really important understand it because when you get in the tree stand that's when it matters most like that's when it really really matters and you know by having step one step two step three step four step five by having to go through those every single time it, it, all right so this is the other thing he told me though i forgot the most important thing that he told me he goes the reason why i still went into autopilot and just flung the arrow at half draw is because i didn't i think he used the word code it into my brain in encode it or inscribe it or some word like that mapping it he says my shot was not mapped that it needs to be 100% that your body knows that every time I draw that bow back that I have this this and this and this to do so if I release the arrow before doing this this and this and this it's making it acceptable we need to have it mapped and programmed into our brains that this is how you're going to do it you're not going to do it at all so what I did was I mapped it and I literally forced this sequence into me that it's so embedded and so deep in me that I literally cannot release an arrow without doing that sequence. Even that's, when I'm excited. That's cool. Do you, so I, I have visions of like when you're shooting, no matter where, where you are, like, do you have like this floating, like mental image of Joel in your face? Like, kind of looking at you or yelling at you or scolding you, you know, like this floating head kind of like, come on, Mark, you know, what are you doing? No, you know, I, like, he, like he's believe watching you. Not, believe it or not, I don't really think about it much. I mean, I owe the guy so much, but at the same time, it's <laughs> that's not really what I'm thinking about. I'm actually thinking about, uh, oh God, what is his name from uh, Uncle Al? I, I just know him as Uncle Al RMS gear. I can never remember his actual name, yeah. but he works for Rocky specialty but we were talking about the grip trigger and uh he said we were talking about how i have to change things up and i would jump from a string clicker to a grip clicker to the life cycle gear then back and forth and would jump around because mm-hmm. i told him that i was getting used to it that i was starting to learn when it was going to go click and he goes well it's because your sequence is wrong and it's what do you mean my sequence is wrong and he said something about that he knows when his clicker is going to go off and we're sitting there thinking about it. Like you even said it. Like, is it going to go? Is it going to go? And you're sitting there. You put all your focus onto the damn click instead of putting all your focus into something else. And, and that's that was a big game changer. So my focus when I'm at full draw has nothing to do with the clicker, has nothing to do with my form or anything. My final step is just going, relax. Just relax. And I'm not relaxing my body. I'm relaxing my mind. And all of a sudden, I'm saying the word relax to myself. And then click, boop, arrow's gone. Is that is that but, your mantra? 
Uh, so I can go through my full one. My, my full one, Allison's actually started most of it. So I've got my bow in my hand. And when is – all right, here's a question for you. You know, Allison was a genius when she came up with this. So the beginning of my mantra is, when is a good time to draw your bow on a pig? That's a question for you. I mean, when is a good time? You're, you're asking me or – yeah, asking you. I mean, it's funny because Allison pointed this out. And on on a pig, um, pretty probably much, pretty probably much never. <laughs> never because they don't stop moving. Yeah, you just got to exactly. commit. Exactly. And, and yeah. Yes, you got it. You got the word I was looking for. Allison came up with this because when is a good time to draw on a pig? Never. There never is. So you know what Allison says? There's our first word that we say: commit. Just draw that damn wow. bow because the damn thing is never going to stop moving. So she, the first word is commit. All right. And then I say, okay, settle in. Settle in means is my nose good? Is my shoulder good? How's my arm feel? All this and that. There's a lot to settle in, but I use it as a very big word. All right. So it goes commit, settle in, pick a spot. All right. Then it's pick a smaller spot. All right. Now feel your shoulders. Begin to pull through, relax, breathe, click, and the damn thing goes off and it's gone. What I didn't hear in there at all was pull. Keep pulling. Do you? Are you? How are you? How are you managing say, to do that? I don't. I don't say keep pulling because you got to remember I'm not using a string clicker. That uh, I'm anchored bone on bone. That I've got damaged shoulders, this and that. So I'm in full back tension. And what I do is, see, it's funny. I'm actually like drawing my bow right now, like, but you can't see me. So what I do is, you know, like I said, it goes commit, settle in, pick a spot, pick a smaller spot, house your shoulders, and then relax. That relax. When I say relax, what I'm doing is, is I'm slowly rotating my elbow just a little bit further back. Um, okay. It's a small. It's a small movement. It's a small pull, but it's not a drastic pull. But it's more so that it's almost how do I explain this? It's like hyperextending your leg. My back tension is so solid, it's almost like hyperextension. And all I'm doing is just rotating that elbow, my my uh, string arm elbow back a little bit further. And that what that does is it engages the clicker, and then boom, that bad boy's gone. Gone. Yeah. But I know those words sound so simple, but like it's really funny because you know you really can't go any further unless you complete step one and then step two, step three and so on and so forth. But a string clicker, a string clicker, it just, I couldn't do it because you guys are like, say you go keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. Well, there's nothing worse than pulling, pulling, pulling and not getting a click. And then you're like, what the hell's going on? And then you find yourself just yanking through the thing. This is, I'm back. I'm relaxed. You know, Ready for this. How long do you think it would take for me to execute a shot? From the time I, say, draw the bow to the time I release. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, could, you could do that in five seconds, or you can do it in three quarters of a second, as long as you, you hit all the points, right? Yeah, it, it takes me, no matter what, about six, seven seconds to release an arrow. Oh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, no matter what. And, and the thing is, see, like... It's just, it doesn't matter. Sometimes an animal will turn broadside and my brain will go, oh, just release. No, 
I can't just release because I've not made it to my final steps. And the worst thing is just when you get to that final step and you're there and you're rotating your elbow around, and all of a sudden that pig moved. Well, congratulations, we have to go back to, you know, step three instead of where we were at on step five. Hmm. And that's that's why a string a, a string clicker is so rough because you're almost like collapsing to start over again. But versus the way that I do it, I'm not collapsing. I'm still just solid bone on bone, almost like hyperextended, almost. Got it. Is that is it's, that the it's part, weird? Um, yeah, is, is is that the part that, that Joel talks about? You know, could you have stopped it? Is that what you're talking about? Where you're yes. you're pretty much right there, but it turned a little bit. You know, it hopped, it whatever, and like shit, I can't. I'm not going to shoot. So you're not. Hey, I'm 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 this far. I'm committed. I have to let it go. No, you stop it, and then you you get back x many steps, and then kind of reset, right? Exactly. I I never understood what he was talking about. He's like. I still don't understand what he means by open loop, closed loop, or anything. It's not explained to me correctly, but can I stop it? If you asked me that a couple months ago, I'd say, oh, hell no. That arrow is going, and that's what I was doing wrong. Now, I mean, I can stop it. I can stop it at any second, any time that I want, and that's really important, especially with pig hunting. I mean, mistakes mm. still happen. I still do dumb stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's being in control is what it comes down to. And like I said, you know, if let's just say I, all right, so I'm about to draw my bow. I say commit and I get my bow back and I go get settled. Oh, damn, he's sideways. Boom. I, you know, you can't allow that just because it turned broadside. That doesn't mean that you could just release because let's be honest, it's not going to be pretty. Whatever happens, it might be, it might not, but just because the pig turned broadside on step two, doesn't mean I can release. I still have to make it all the way to the end. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Man, it's making me want to go downstairs and practice like <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, man, I, yeah. I know. And every time like, I'll, I'll go in there and it's it's just like with anything. You know what you have to do, but then you, you don't do it once. And you're like, ah, oh, crap, but it, but it flew good. You know, and you make excuses for yourself. And yeah, I, it's it's um, I, I really do need to shell out for his course and actually like take the course in earnest, you know, Um there, there's so many free things out there that, and, and, and they get, whether it's the person or whatever their, their, their course is or book is or whatever, whatever it is. And you feel like, you, you feel like, you know, and you've heard everything there is to say, so why spend the money? But I think from what I'm hearing from everybody, it's, is it still worth it to go and experience it the way it's supposed to be, you know, experienced. I, 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 I'm kind of in the, in the same thing with, um, uh, do, you, do you listen to Jocko at all? Jocko podcast, Jocko Willink? I haven't yet. Believe it or not, I'm so outdated with everything. The only podcasts I really listen to these days are Primitive Pursuit and Rogan. That's about it because I'm just buried. You know, it, it's hard to keep track of everybody these days. Oh, I know it's uh, it, it's it, it's a lot. But I mean, he 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 wrote a book. He's he's wrote, he's written a bunch of books. But his first one that you know it's called Extreme Ownership. And, but he's been talking about it and going through all the principles and all everything in it for the last I don't know however long he's been doing the podcast. And I'm listening to him three years, four years, whatever it is. You feel like okay, why am I going to spend the money on this if he's talked about it like a zillion times? But I don't know. I kind of still feel like I want to go buy the book and read the book. 
and 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 maybe there's some nuance in there that that I missed. And and I think it applies, you know, the same way um, with 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 Joel and 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 some of these other, you know, like like coaches where it's like, okay, we know we talk about it, we hear you all the time, but there's I, I think there's there's value in actually going through the steps, not just listening. To, to them talk about it on, you know, to another person or to a student or on a, on a video or a podcast or whatever, but actually you going through the steps and through the course and physically doing the work. I think there's, there's a lot to that. So yeah, I just, I just got to, just got to man up and spend the money and do it, I guess. See, I don't, I don't even think it's just about the course too. I think the hardest part was understanding it. Cause like the weird thing is, is I've known all this stuff for a while because I studied it and studied it and studied it, but I never, truly understood it until just out of nowhere one day it just sort of clicked and it didn't click very quickly like it took a while for things to click yeah it's just i don't know it's it it's like learning to read when we were little kids you know we thought that learning to read was like the hardest thing ever and like all of a sudden now we look back and like god that was stupid that was so easy like you know I thought that learning this was so hard and now I'm like, wow, it was so simple and it was right in front of me the whole time and I just mm-hmm. I didn't understand it is the thing. And it's it's taking control. Every single shot should be done right. And you can't make an excuse. You can't just let that arrow go and go, Oh, it felt good. Because the problem is it might feel good today, might feel good tomorrow, then all of a sudden it doesn't feel so good. Then it started to get a little sloppy. Then it's like, oh my God, this is horrible. What happened to me? You know, it's why not just do it right from the beginning every single time? And and, and just just even the words, just using words will change you shooting. I mean, and like I said, we fight it every day. I fight this every single day. You know, I'll go out and sometimes just not have a good day because, and the issue is the, the bad days that I have are because of pain, not because of mental or anything like that. It's literally physical form is degrading because of pain. What What did you do to your shoulder that that's, that that wrecked it so bad? Was it from construction or? I'm a block mason. I only oh. weighed 130 pounds and I was throwing heavyweight concrete blocks seven days a week on scaffold. Yeah, okay, that'll and do. It. I just I, I worked like an idiot. You know, I started young. I worked too hard, too fast, too much, and just didn't take care of myself. But uh, we're we're working on it. We're cleaning me up now. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, believe yeah. it or not, this leather work, the leather work is rough on you too. It, it it doesn't sound like it would be, but hand stitching. Let me see. I've got about 300 feet. I've been doing in the past day of hand stitching. Oof. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. But it's pleasing. It's it's really. Ple- There's nothing better than seeing people posting pictures of like say a big deer or a big pig with them and all of a sudden you zoom in a little bit and like oh my god that's one of my tabs wow yeah <laughs> uh, or you know sweet. we got a guy I, you know i call him thorin oakenshield i can't even pronounce his name he's from like finland or something like that he sent us pictures he's got our quiver on and he's like on a safari in africa killing baboons and stuff with a stick bow with our quiver i'm like Holy cow! Like my quivers in Africa, this is nuts. Like it, it's it's satisfying. It really is satisfying to see your stuff all over the place. Yeah, I, I'm sure. And and you know, like I said, I I look at your website and I'm like, man, you know, he puts out some 
you know, quality stuff. And, you know, just like, you know, any of these other custom made stuff, custom made whatever's, especially in the traditional world, you, you kind of know these people, you and I have never talked until today, but I mean, you kind of get to know people, quote unquote, um, and you're like, okay, there's a more of a connection there between, you know, versus like some, some store-bought, you know, mass produced, you know, something. And, and, you know, like that person actually like, you know, hand molded that, uh, you know, that, that quiver hood or hand stitched something or hand cut something. So that's, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. It goes beyond just, you know, a hand built bow. There's, there's, there's all the other, you know, periphery stuff that goes on the bow and, and, and around you know, the, the, the hunting and, and, and shooting realm that, that all these products, you know, are coming from, from, you know, craftsmen that have, you know, a real passion for what they're doing. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to be buying a string tracker, uh, you know, come, you know, maybe it'll be like an early, early Christmas present to me just so I, you know, I'll know I'll have it, but, um, man, we've been probably what almost, well, we've been an hour since we re- restarted the recording here. I don't know how long we were going, almost an hour before that. Um, any, anything else you want to kind of touch on before, uh, you know, before we get going here? Uh, I'm trying not to say dumb things. <laughs> yeah. Normally, like, is there anything you want to add on to this? And I'm like, Trump 2020! Woo! <laughs> I had to. I, I can't help it. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't, I don't think we caught everything. You know, just it's this whole thing, this whole journey. You know, that's this, this whole thing is just a never-ending journey. You know, just a conversation with you tonight. You know, it's exciting to know that this little conversation could change you in a better way, or it could change me. You know, things. I don't know. Yeah, just so no. much that goes on with all this. You know, the string tracker. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you want to use a string tracker. I'm so excited. For the day that somebody just calls us and messages us saying, like, oh, my God, I found this deer that I should have never found because because you're a silly string tracker. And, you know, it's just all of it. It's just great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm and I'm glad that you're putting out all the content that uh, um, that you're doing and Allison, too. And, and um, you know, don't don't uh, don't pay too much mind to the to the YouTube comment uh, naysayers. I th- I think you engage them way too much personally because <laughs> I because I read some of the stuff it's that you post fun. of how you respond to them and I'm like oh why bother you, you, you know because <laughs> you're not you're you know, not going to get under their skin any more than you're under their skin you know what I mean? No, uh, you can. You know, th- this is one thing that you know we should touch on I, I touched on it a little bit in the past but let's get controversial for a minute sure. <laughs> Might as well we're, we're there you know a lot of people have commented actually written me messages about the way that I engage people on our YouTube you know I don't I'm not here to try to re-educate somebody if somebody's gonna message us you know on YouTube you know comment on something going you're a murderer for killing the fluffy fluff bunny I'm not going to re-educate this person. They're idiots. Let's be honest. They're watching a video called How to Butcher Bunnies. There's no convincing these people what we're doing is right because they're morons. So a few people have messaged me going, you can't do that. You have to try to teach these people. You have to get them to think better. No, I don't. The biggest problem is is not saying anything. That I'm sorry when we ignore stupid people saying stupid things about hunters, about fishermen, about meat, about anything, it gives these morons voices. These people do not yeah. deserve a voice. I am no way in hell 
going to sit here and try to explain to a vegan why what I'm doing is okay. Because I know what I'm doing is okay. I know it's legal. I know that's ethical. I know that all of it. So some of these people, you just you can't turn them. So you need to let them know that they are the dumbest people that walk the earth and why they are the dumbest <laughs> people that walk the earth and why their opinion means yeah. absolutely nothing on a video that they should not be watching if it hurts their feelings so much. And if we did that, I feel like our country would be a better place. Hunting would be better for people. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, If we get somebody that I think that I can turn and help them understand, you're damn right I am. But absolutely outrageously stupid morons that just don't belong even breathing, I'm going to let them know that that's how I feel about them. And I'm not only yeah. going to let them know, I'm going to let them know in the most awkward way possible to make them feel so uncomfortable that they don't actually want to comment back. I mean, when you tell somebody that you're going to eat their pet bunny and make it into poopies, what are they going to say to that? You know, like, <laughs> come on. They're going to go, this guy knows what he's talking about. We're going to leave him alone and we're going to go find somebody else to harass. Because yeah. just even using the word poopies, I mean, I don't swear at people. I don't, I don't belittle them, but... I definitely treat them like the children that they are because they just – it just makes no sense. Like why are you commenting in this video? Like, you know, but there's also some bad guys out there. Like we got a comment the other day on my Bobcat video. Have you seen the Bobcat one? Um, I've seen them all, but I can't remember the Bobcat. I, I yeah. know I have. Oh, crazy gothic music. You know, I have fun with it. I think it's hilarious just throwing some of that nonsense music in. But it was a young cat. I shot that cat at 25 yards with a Centaur battle axe, freaking out. I was fighting target panic pretty bad back then, and it was walking when I shot the animal. And I'm just talking powerhoused it. A guy had decided to comment on the video saying, that's a young cat. I would have let him walk. I gave that guy a piece of my mind. I mean, how dare you come onto a video and tell me that what I did was wrong. It's like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, there's, there's quite a few hunters that want to belittle other hunters, and that I don't tolerate. Um, yeah. I definitely get a piece of my mind pretty quickly. That, uh, But what I do realize is most of them that say stupid stuff like that are the let them grow guys. I, I don't believe in letting an animal grow till it's old and grizzly. I mean, cool, I want to shoot a big buck, but I'm going to shoot a six-point. I'm going to shoot a four. I'm going to shoot a doe. I don't care. I'm going to eat it. Yeah, but, I, I I have no I have no no patience for uh, for antlers or you know people to chase them you know it's as far as I mean if you do that's great but I have no patience for the people that belittle you for shooting whatever yeah. it's like nope no it's 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 just gonna go on the grill so but you know this whole belittling that hunters belittle other hunters they learned it from somewhere and they learned it from stupid anti hunters or people that have just dumb comments. And like I yeah. said, you know, if I, if I give anybody a piece of advice, be proud of what you do. I'm proud of my YouTube channel. I really am. I'm proud of every – well, I'm proud of almost every single video on there. Some of our early stuff was terrible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just I'm proud of it, and it's for me. And you guys are welcome to watch it, but this is really my stuff. But, you know, but if somebody's going to jump on there and – say that we're murdering meat or something like that. I'm not going to allow their voice to go 
and actually let people think that that's acceptable to come on there and say something like that because it just I just I just I just delete you know I, you know I, I delete and ban you know that that's pretty much what I do I mean for some reason YouTube is like the YouTube comment section is it brings out like the dregs of society and I don't know why you don't really get that with Facebook much you don't really get it you do but it's not as but YouTube is like yeah. the worst you know and you can put out a video about something, something instructional. I do a lot of like, you know, like how to's or, uh, tuning or reviews or whatever. And like the stupid shit that people like complain about and say, well, you should have done this or you fucking stupid or I could shoot better than you. I'm just like, I don't have time for it. Delete ban. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need that kind of crap. I mean, I don't, I don't put out anything that's like, you know, obviously I don't kill like nearly the stuff that like most people do or you do. So I, I do the things that I know how to do, which is like, you know, tuning and gear reviews and and how to's and, and things like that. And I'm trying to help people that are not as far along on this journey as I am. You know what I mean? And there are certainly people way past the journey than I am. So, you know, but, but for someone to come along and, 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 and kind of like poo poo that I'm like, you know what, you're not contributing. You're not being positive. You're not helping the cause with, with anybody. You just, you're just sounding off. Cause I don't know. Cause you're an asshole. So go away and just delete. You know, I, I just, I just don't have time so to engage people. I feel like the delete though still makes them think that it's okay. I want to let them know it's not acceptable. And that, and that's why I do what I do. And, and I know it's a pain yeah. in the butt because the deleting, sometimes it would really get to me. If I got to go on and delete 30 comments, you know, it's like having five kids. They're all misbehaving. You spank one of them, all of them are going to start behaving. You just got to spank one of the kids and the rest of them follow in line. And I've noticed that's really worked on our YouTube. Like, overall, our YouTube in the past month has gotten quite positive, believe it or not. You know, it's starting to get more positive because a lot of people are seeing if you say something stupid on there, I'm going to yeah. call you out. And because yeah. I don't want them to have. I really don't. And that's the other thing. Like, I spank a couple people on my YouTube. Maybe we're going to think twice about going on yours. You know, remember that last right. time I said stupid? You know, that's what I think it is. I think if people would just speak up more and shut these idiots down, they'd realize that their voices mean nothing. And that doesn't go just in the hunting world or YouTube. It goes in life, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of these people running around right now, I'm not going to get too far into it, but some of them need a butt whooping and let oh, them yeah. know that they're feelings mean nothing to me absolutely nope. nothing and that's exactly what it is that if you go, if they want to be adults and have a conversation that's different and i feel like and, and that has happened by the way i've had a few people that i gave a spanking to and all of a sudden they realized that okay that's not the best way to talk and all of a sudden ended up having a conversation i've gotten apologies from people afterwards but we would have never gotten well, They probably there don't I... expect you to respond back because because in today's, yeah. you know, uh, hide behind a, a screen, hide behind a keyboard, you know, world. People are like, oh, wait, they actually read this and I'm responding. <laughs> Shit, I didn't mean, you know, I was I was trying to be an asshole, but I didn't think you'd actually like respond and call me out. <laughs> you know, it's... a lot of it. You know, sometimes with the people like that, it's the ones that assume that they they don't realize like, you know, you, you're uh, L.E.M., uh, I think you were doing L.E.M., the, the summer sausage that you were making. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, that's a mountain lion. If you had posted a picture of you holding that dead mountain lion, how many people would go, how could you just murder that animal and you didn't do anything with it? Hello? You're going to make summer sausage. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I didn't know because you posted a picture of just holding a dead animal. I assumed you weren't going to eat it because most people don't eat it. 
And that's that's a lot of the issue. That's yeah. why I say something to him immediately. Like the Bobcat video, everybody assumes. They're like, oh, you just murdered that animal for no reason. And you just wasted it. And my main response is I ate it with lo mein and soy sauce, the proper way to eat a kitty. And people <laughs> like, I, I say it every, every single time, every because I get one of those comments every day, and I say that. I ate it with lo mein and soy sauce. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, you assumed that yeah. I didn't eat it. But I ate it. It was okay. It was just okay, and that's it. And they're like, oh, sorry. I'm like, that's why you shouldn't make assumptions. Yeah. So I love yeah. It. well, you know what? I'm glad you're fighting a good fight because sometimes like I, I don't have the energy to, so uh I'm I'm glad <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're you're doing I think, it. I think if everybody fought a little bit, I think it could make a change. Or at least be entertaining. I mean, are you not entertained with some of the comments of the week? Because I love the comments of the week when I post that shit. Oh he, oh absolutely. Those are those, yeah, are, people, those are hilarious. Some You've, people love it. Some people hate it, though. Some people, you know, like I said, they tell me that I shouldn't be doing that. Ah, I'll do whatever the hell I want in there. You should see the stuff that I delete before I actually hit the comment back thing. Because I've come up with some pretty <laughs> crazy stuff. I mean, they are so yeah. lucky that I can't post pictures on YouTube. Because if I could post picture comments back, oh my god, you would love it. <laughs> my favorite one... When, when I get telemarketers, I mean, I literally, we'll, we'll keep it as PG-13 as possible, but let's just say I don't have any clothes on at all, and I'm sitting on the toilet. <laughs> That's as PG as I can get. I just send those to all these telemarketers and stuff, and they're like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> That's funny. You could delete that out. No, that's fine. That's staying in. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. No, no, no. Hey, I, I warned you. Hey, you said, remember we, we were, we were uh, chatting earlier and you said, uh, when I said, hey, you want to do the podcast? You're like, man, I, what did you say? I can be a handful, I think. Is that what you said? Or, and I said, Dude, yeah, I we're, we're yeah. And I said, no, I, I we're tried. good. Whatever. You know, I said, I, I wanted to get you on because uh, I've had, let's see, you and, um, you're you're not you're not you're not the same, but you're different, but kind of the same. Uh, I've had uh, uh, Troy Fowler on. You ever had you ever seen him? Ranch Ferry, you know. I he know does. the name. I'm outdated. Like I said, I just sit here all day and just stare at leather. So like I keep missing out on all the cool stuff in life these days. Yeah, he he does like the like the heavy arrow, high FOC kind of stuff. You know, arrow penetration, whatever. And I mean, and, and Troy is, yeah. you know, kind of. I mean, he he's very very charismatic. So I consider you and him to be like the epitome of uh, uh, what what does uh, Ranella call it? Uh, charismatic charismatic megafauna. <laughs> so you two <laughs> represent charismatic megafauna. I'm like, no, I, I I've I've seen and heard you on, on a bunch of other stuff. I'm like, I got to talk to Mark because um, I think it'll be a, a pretty fun podcast and. Uh, we we kind of went everywhere with this, so I'm I'm really glad we did that. Um, but I do want to wrap it up. We've been like over two and, what two and two and a quarter hours or something like that. Jesus. So okay, um, why don't we wrap up real quick here? Where can everybody find all your stuff? Where should they be following you? Um, you know, and buy your stuff. Check out your videos. Well, the easiest one, if you guys are interested in the products, they're on omnivoresquivers.com. And that's our whole website. That thing is updated multiple times a day. I mean, as I build stuff, it gets uploaded. Um, 
social media you can follow us our facebook i feel like is the most fun because we put a lot of mini videos up on there so that's always a good one to find us on instagram i sort of suck at i'm not a photo guy i'm a video guy so but we try to get as much as we can up on instagram also um both of those are just omnivores quivers or actually i think they're both omnivores homestead and quivers but our youtube our youtube is only our full-length films um we still run them on the other social media platforms but youtube is Nothing but full-length hunt films or DIYs. I actually got some fun ones coming up. I got some really cool films that we're putting together that, uh, hell, I got to edit like three of them. We did a big blue crabbing film, um, just going around scooping up with nets and, you know, catch, clean, cook that we got to put up. Huh. But, uh, yeah, all of those. I'm not on that. What's that thing that all the, the kids are dancing around with weird music? What's that thing called again? Oh, TikTok? Fuck yeah, I am not on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go I'm on too TikTok. Old. Yeah, don't 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 uh, go on don't go on TikTok. Yeah, I I, I that's I where all the commies are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 can skip that. No, but the last video you did uh, with um, you were shooting a pig at night. Is that what it was with with night vision? That was oh, a pretty God. cool. That was that was pretty sweet. I like that video. You have too, no so clue I mean, how hard that really is. I mean, that's. Because, like, the film makes it look so easy, like, because I'm filming in night vision. So, like, my camera's filming in infrared, but all I got is a little teeny tiny red light on my bow. So, like, when you're looking at it, they're like, why isn't he shooting? Why isn't he shooting? It's because I can't see Dookie. And, you know, once again, when is a good time to draw your bow in a pig? Never. But the hardest part is that commit. You know, the thing is what happens is with that film, I still am self-filming, so when I look at the camera to see what the hell the camera is seeing and then look back away from it, my eyes whited out from seeing the screen. So it ah, takes like yep, another two yep. minutes to adjust. But yeah, the night vision stuff. Yeah, I did I'm notice that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you, you, you see, you see, you see him milling around, and I'm like, okay, well, there's a good shot. Well, there's a good shot. And it took me a second to realize, well, wait a minute, what the camera's seeing is probably way brighter than what he's seeing in real time. And uh, yeah, no, but you're seeing nothing. Yeah, it's a really cool video, though. Yeah, uh, it's it's so hard. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that like if you're living it, it's the hardest thing you've ever done. But once you put the film together, like this wasn't so bad. And like that's why I tried to show people in the beginning of the film, like guys, like this is what I'm seeing, and this is what you're seeing. Like it's completely different. But you know, it's it's hard, man. Like honestly, like. It's gotten so hard, it's to the point that I may not be doing any more night films. That it's it's that rough on me. And the worst thing is, is you know, not only are you sitting in there till like two o'clock in the morning waiting for these damn pigs to come. It's hot, it's buggy. Now you shoot the damn thing, and it runs a hundred yards through the most dangerous crap I've ever hunted in my life, where everything wants to kill you. And mm-hmm. now you got to get it out and get it on ice at four o'clock in the morning, like. I ain't no spring chicken anymore. It's a little rough. I, I like the morning hunts where you drive the mule up to it and just load it up in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Well, keep doing what you're doing, man. I, 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 I really love it. I love all the content you put out and stuff like that. So, um, 
stay on the phone with me here while I wrap up here. So uh, everybody, yeah, thanks no for listening. Yeah, I know this was a long one, but it was definitely worth it. Um, I certainly hope the first hour of this recorded when we uh, it usually it's, Skype usually does, but I, I hope the hell it recorded and kept the first half hour of uh, or the first hour of what we we're talking about. But um, either way, I'm really really happy uh, to talk to you. I definitely follow you, looking looking for more stuff. So uh, go check out um, uh, Omnivores. I can say it for. <laughs> do it, do it, because because I'm gonna get the, I'm gonna get the, the the order mixed up again. Yeah, no big deal. It's omnivoresquivers.com. And, and uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again because the first time I always get so nervous and I just talk all professionally. But the second time you guys want to see the train wreck, that's the one that you're going to want to listen to. <laughs> no, you're, we're, you're welcome to do this at any, any time. Train, train wrecks are, uh, are, are welcome. We're not we're not PC on this uh, on the show. So, all right, everybody, thanks for uh, listening in. Please leave a uh, rating uh, definitely re- leave a rating, leave a review too if you'd like, but a rating is really, really important. And check out the YouTube channel, uh, Bohoning Soul. Um, check out Mark's channel. Check out all the Instagram stuff. And uh, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.